0: This is the inaugural voyage of the Movie Blues Podcast, Episode 1. I'm Dan Lyons. I'm Dan Enden. Um, Yes, we are two nasally Jews who uh, both have the exact same name, but uh, hopefully in this quest we'll be able to separate who from who. Um, I don't think we agree on pretty much anything movie related, so, you know, get ready to side with one of us or uh, the other, or in the case of our internet uh, activity, side with neither of us, because we are... Pretty much constantly uh, berated for our opinions. So we started a podcast where we could unload all of them at once. I feel like you're probably working under a pretty forced assumption that anyone's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Always assume the audience, even though they don't exist. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to originally name the podcast Two Nasally Jews Who Both Hated Dunkirk. Um, <laughs> The problem with that is just sheer length. Uh, we I'm hoping think...
1: to make it longer without cackling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, we need cackling. Um, so, yes. Yeah, we both hated the movie Dunkirk. Um, I think that was the first time we ever agreed yeah. on anything. I hated it so much. After many years of knowing each other. Yeah. I think that was the first time we shared equal opinion. Both of our uh, significant others liked it, it.
1: They loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, she,
0: she's, she's backpedaled
1: a little bit and said she didn't love it.
0: but So they'll be coming out with their own reactionary podcast <laughs> uh, to our podcast. That will be every Tuesday. Uh, ours will be releasing it yeah. Monday afternoons. Um, the Tea
1: Party equivalent.
0: So uh, we're going to do a couple things here. Um, the first of which is we're going to kind of ramble back and forth, but uh, eventually we'll be heading to analysis of um, a terrible movie that we both suffered endlessly through. Um, so I guess before we jump headlong into that, let's do some basic introductory stuff um i guess i'll, I'll throw myself on the spike first yeah. um, i am a film school dropout
2: <laughs>
0: perfect aka a podcaster As most podcasters. yeah <laughs> most pa- podcasters do not have a degree in podcasting this is a kind of a last uh, end of the road sort of place to turn for creative types yeah. um don't need to worry about what I look like, which is good because when I'm drumming, everybody is staring at me. I feel uncomfortable. And now I feel even more uncomfortable because I have to fill sound with my voice, which I find to be mostly detestable. I'm regretting this immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both instantly regretting this. But uh, I bought the microphone, so we're going to have to go headlong. Yeah. (laughs) Because Jewish. Um, I grew up obsessed with movies. My uh, bar mitzvah theme was movies. Um, Mine too. But uh, we could only get posters from, like, the shitty video store down the street from us uh, for the decoration. So there's a picture of me uh, between a Mummy Returns poster and a Life is Beautiful poster for my bar mitzvah photo. Um, pretty, pretty similar movies yeah. when you think about you know, cultural impact, yeah. I would say. And what I was
1: enjoying when I was 13.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Dan? What is your uh, reasoning for wanting to do this other than to hear yourself talk?
1: Um, so I was also, I was a future film school dropout. Oh, good. I,
0: uh, so you didn't even get to the point where you could drop out. No, no. I but was, you planned on it.
1: I was, uh, <laughs> I was berated by my parents to no end for wanting to go to film school.
0: Mm. Um. See, mine said go, and I want to say that that was even worse. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> see, that's irresponsible. <laughs> my dad owned a company and they see, said
1: See, my go. parents <laughs> at least let me instead go major in English. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, you sound great. So. Yeah, thanks. It, it worked.
1: Um, so I was going to go to NYU film school. Um, until I discovered that it cost money. Me too, actually. Yeah, and I hate the city of New York. Me too. There we go, alienating. Although I used to, I
0: I would say I used to think that New York was something very different based on many movies that I had seen, which I thought reality of New York was very similar to Annie Hall. I knew you were going to say When it's more similar to like, A mix between kids, (laughs) yeah, Escape from New York, yeah, kids, Escape from New York, Uh, Ninja Turtle's Secret of the Ooze. I would say is close to my New York experience. Dark Knight. Um, So we're in Philly. That's where we are broadcasting from. My uncomfortable uh, guest bedroom here. We're in the studio. We're in the studio. Uh, I wanted to put movie posters on the wall. I have a Blade Runner poster sitting against the wall behind me. So if you need to be inspired, feel free to stand up, look over my shoulder,
1: and uh, yeah, I'm
0: enjoying that stock
1: Asian art as well. Yeah,
0: um, that was actually found on the street in Ithaca. Um, At least well, I, I found it in every whole and wall sushi restaurant I've ever eaten in in Rittenhouse. Yeah, it's a, a stock Asian art. It's um, a very impressive wave, Yeah. probably uh, toppling over a small Asian yeah. fishing village. It's from the movie The Perfect Storm. Yes, that is a still from the <laughs> concept art of uh, the film The Perfect Storm. It's
1: the Criterion Collection cover.
0: Yes, yeah. You wouldn't recognize it unless you were a Criterion member. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah,
1: you have to join Filmstruck.
0: Um, so, um, I guess, uh, with that beautiful introduction, we are going, I, I got questions. for Okay. You. Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: So you got, you got a, you got a pretty strong radio voice going on right off the bat. I, I do, you, am, do you have radio experience? Or um, are you a previous podcaster?
0: I am not a previous podcaster. I would say the closest I ever got to professionally speaking endlessly was, my debut of stand-up that I did in high school. I
1: thought you were going to say your bar mitzvah.
0: Um, No, because that was in Hebrew, and I kind of just blacked out during that. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I would say my stand-up career lasted one night. Um, I enjoyed it very much. My parents were in the audience, and I told a couple stories about... um, embarrassing things that i had literally made up and i think afterwards my mom came up to me and she was like yeah that was very upsetting
1: um is marvelous miss mazel based on you yeah based yes i
0: i am the um inspiration for the marvelous miss mazel <laughs> in both figure and uh, elocution so um okay what, you, what else you got for me you got any other good questions no that's fine Mar- I, I had a question about the movie themed bar mitzvah but i lost it mm. um i also had a movie themed
1: bar mitzvah what yeah. are you yeah, serious yeah it was a lot of wow puns like like rush hour jew oh yeah that's Uh, that's
0: really well crafted Yeah, any any
1: sequel you can just throw judas i I would have called that jew hour yeah it already was
0: um yeah it was sick uh yeah i uh i felt pretty cool about having a movie bar mitzvah Um, Jew fast jew furious jew fast jew furious I think uh, think enough said about that. I think
1: think that joke has reached its logical conclusion. We
0: promised we weren't going to talk about Israel. We've made it six (laughs) minutes and 50 seconds in. I don't think Jew Fast, Jew Furious counts, but uh, we're going to keep it going. Um, uh, Do I have any other questions for you? We're going to talk about a view from a grain of sand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think uh, I I feel introduced. Do you feel introduced?
1: Yeah, I feel fine. Um, I'd have to imagine that... For the first episode, anyone listening knows us already, and they're just like these self-indulgent
0: yeah. fucking. So, players. to our built-in audience of, uh, I think they call it an artificial audience in the music industry, which our audience is consistent of just your friends and yeah, um,
1: family, also the audience for our music industry endeavors. Yeah,
0: actually, yeah. Um, after one episode of my podcast, I think I'm being heard by as many people as I am <laughs> of any show that I've played recently. So, um, I guess I guess it's both worth mentioning that we are both musicians. Uh, varying degrees of talent and success we're not going to say who and where but I think you can guess and um, (laughs) other than that um, our interests crisscross over many different things um, and we're hoping to really get a colorful uh, discussion out of most of the things we do on here because even though we are two Dans very similar um, we couldn't be two Dans more divided when it comes to things like this so uh, with that being said we are going to head to our first segment (laughs) So the first segment we're going to do here uh, is called Dan's Have Never Seen. Um, I don't know if that's D-A-N apostrophe D-A-N-S apostrophe. Apostrophe. Anyway. Um, plural of Dan. Two Dan's Have Never Seen. Um, and uh, every episode um, we're going to try until, you know, we have some other segments we want to jam in here. We're going to try to watch something that either neither of us have ever seen, or maybe one of us has seen it a long time ago, has no recollection, blah, 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 basically re-watching something that may have been sitting on the shelf for uh, a long time, in this case, 40-some years. The theory being that it's going to be so tricky to find a movie that neither of us has ever seen right.
1: that we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel.
0: Yeah. I mean, and top of the barrel. I mean, there are great movies that I have never seen that I'm truly embarrassed about. I think we'll probably Wait, head like to what? those. Like like I like I've seen Citizen Kane, but I haven't seen it since I was thirteen. I don't oh remember anything God. about it. I mean, I've never seen Ben Hur, even though it's three and a half hours long. We'll I mean, get into Trump this. This now. is BTS talk we're doing yeah. right now. This is industry this is talk. Filler. Um, but uh, what we're gonna start with here um, is good, a real gem of a film um, that I discovered while uh, cooking. I had it on uh, when I cook. I I play VHS tapes in the background. So typically it takes me about f- like four or five different sessions to finish a movie. I made it about two or three sessions into this and decided that it was so insane I needed somebody else to see it. Um, so now I've watched this movie basically twice. Um, it's, it's like a, pretty much like falling in quicksand twice in the same day. It's an awful sucking experience that no one should have to live through. And the movie is The Man with the Golden Gun, 007. 007, baby. Classic. Roger Moore, baby. Roger Moore, who... Uh, I'd say it was kind of my Bond for a little while when I was growing up. Well, in terms of, uh, you know, you catch a Bond movie on the AMC Marathon or whatever, it was typically Roger Moore that I connected with because when I was a kid, I think that was right before Pierce Brosnan. So the Sean Connery stuff was a little too out of step, and I felt like Roger Moore, that was kind of my Bond. I think the first... Uh, I think there
1: was a step uh, person between Roger Moore and Paul. They, uh,
0: they did a couple guys that didn't work out. Like they Timothy, did um, Timothy
1: Daltrey or whatever.
0: Because of like licensing errors, they did Timothy Dalton, they did oh. George Lazenby. Yeah, um, yeah George and, Lazenby. And also in that period Small of time, hands. because of the rights problems with Bond movies, that is when Woody Allen did his James Bond Right, um, Casino Royale, oh, yeah. which is a piece of absolute trash. Um, I mean, given the greater body of work, am
1: my view after The Man I'd, with the Golden I'd, Gun? I'd
0: say comparatively. Uh, comparatively I'd probably rather rewatch uh, Casino Royale than The Man with the Golden Gun. But God, I'm glad we watched this because it was an experience yeah. at all levels. Um, what would you say, Dan, that your uh, experience and uh, history is with the James Bond series? Um, so when I was a boy,
1: I had a, a very, a very serious James Bond phase as most young boys do, um, primarily because of the AMC marathons. Um, but it actually started because I was in the hospital as a kid for an appendix thing. And the only tapes that were there for me to watch while I waited to get my CAT scan were Golden Eye
0: and what's the first Brosnan one? Golden Eye. GoldenEye is the first one. Yeah, so it was two copies of GoldenEye, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they seemed like, in my recollection, they're the same movie. Right. Regardless, I was never really a Brosnan fan. I went backwards. Huh. I'm more of a Sean Connery guy. I actually have in my notes, isn't Roger Moore so goddamn lame?
0: Uh, Roger Moore looks like an old smoked cigar. Um, he, uh, he's very leathery in this film. Um, I Once I went from VHS to a Blu-ray uh, rip of it, or uh, copy that i bought at the store rather. how is that even possible? <clears throat> um like how is this remastered in hd yeah i think uh there's like a very large trash can uh in mgm studios that they just scoop garbage out of <laughs> and uh one day they ran this through the high def filter um but yeah uh everything from his hair which is thinning to his tan which is morbid um did you ever see the the last the last Roger Moore Bond um, the final one, yeah. yes. The, okay, so the, the like final one, eight. he's so old that it's it's borderline pedophilia yeah. because they have they're throwing girls at him that are yeah. in their twenties, and he is fucking geriatric yeah. by the end of his stint. Can, um, can we like can we take a, a second?
1: Can, can you go over why Roger Moore was your Bond guy? Like what what? Well, he was just the, the guy
0: uh, in the first one that I saw. The first one I ever saw was Moonraker. Um, which I've come to realize is absolutely ridiculous, uh, movie. But when I first saw it, I was like, oh, James Bond's in space. That's about what I thought. And, and Jaws was a good villain. And, and the movie opens up with this huge, uh, drop out of a plane. And like, I think Roger Moore just represented who in my mind I shot to James Bond. And to this day, I don't think I've seen, uh, all of the Sean Connery ones. I definitely haven't seen George Lazenby or, um, the other guy, uh, what was his name? Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, who I think is a fantastic actor and probably yeah. would make a fantastic James Bond. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ugh, yikes. I, uh, my problem with Roger Moore is that that era... So, I, I grew up liking
1: the Sean Connery ones the most. I think that's a very, like... You know, he plays he plays James Bond very close to the chest, very reserved, whereas the Roger Moore, it's like a caricature. Yeah, 100 yeah, they, they play the moments for laughs so right. on the nose, and there it's just that god-awful 70s humor that's like, oh, women and foreigners, right? Right. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah. Like, pause as I just absolutely shit on someone. Foreigners, right? Oh, it was like, is, that's the joke a hundred times in this one. Every female spy throughout the entirety of the Roger Moore era is only used to fuck bad guys into yeah, James Bond's grasp.
0: Sure. Um, I, uh... I have a couple things to say off the bat um, before we get into the plot breakdown and, and go over what makes this movie honestly so embarrassing uh, on every level. Um, here are the things kind of that occurred to me uh, as I was thinking about the James Bond series uh, as a whole. And that's kind of um, the anachronistic quality um, of a lot of these films make them borderline impossible to enjoy years and years later. Now, let me, let me explain why now there are certain movies uh let's use star trek in, as an example which uh in this podcast sure won't be the first <laughs> i will bring up literally at any at any chance i will bring up um star trek uh was around the same time as this in terms of the amount of movies the um the scope in terms of you know they're going to be putting out a sequel every couple years it's the same cast and blah 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 um, those movies get a little boring because even with the same characters every single time uh, there isn't very much development in terms of character or story. Um, James Bond is like the definition of that. Um, you, you can make a hundred of these movies and never know more about James Bond than you did right. the first time. So let's get that out of the way, that James Bond himself is not particularly compelling Uh, more than being a bag full of cliches and things that you instantly expect him to do. Um, I feel like the
1: Daniel Craig ones made an effort to finally add some semblance of character development. Right,
0: and even that is very minimal. I mean, there's a little couple scenes here and there. My theory about it is this. um, So you don't have a character that you can latch onto. So what is there to a James Bond movie? Essentially what you have are, every time you go to see James Bond, new set of gadgets, which are typically, especially in the Brosnan era backed by actual companies when he's there with a nokia thing driving a car and tomorrow never dies so that's kind of like product placement that is anachronistic is so egregious that's an anachronism because every time you go five years later all the old gadgets are useless all the old companies are laughable um and so the gadgets that doesn't work from movie to movie then then you have the girls the girls their standard of beauty from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s their looks change and in their own way they are anachronistic because when you look back and see you know for example terry hatcher in the brosnan one i mean she was the hot uh woman to go to in the 90s from lois and clark and all the things that she did um but then if you watch that movie five years later you see terry hatcher and you're like that what what were we thinking? i with do that? feel like that's the case with the 90s movies especially are
1: pretty oh yeah so that you watch another Pierce Brosnan joint, like the Thomas Crown Affair. Right. When It's, it's the same thing. The, yeah, the hair, the hair is now. just, it's. there's no way to watch a movie from the 90s. <laughs> and I'm from New Jersey. I feel like oh, I'm at my mom's hair salon yeah. every time I watch one of those movies.
0: <laughs> so the, the style, like you're saying, the style, the looks of the women, that's kind of out of step. Gadgets are out of step. Bond doesn't particularly have a character. And I think the final thing, and I honestly think that this is what has destroyed... Any chance of me going back and really enjoying the James Bond movies? Because I go back, like a couple years ago, I got every Dar- Die Hard movie, hadn't seen half of them. I got every Rocky movie, hadn't seen half of them. So I had this thing where I was conquering franchises and really getting a sense for them. And I always kind of held myself to do James Bond because there's so many of them. Um, and I know that some of them are garbage. Um, the thing that keeps me from really going in on it is that the purpose of James Bond movies, I think in many ways is now moot um, mostly because these films, such as man with the golden gun from the seventies, they were used as travel logs. Okay. There were white people sitting on their couches in the sixties and seventies who had never left their house who never left their neighborhood. The suburban crawl had happened to them. There was nothing more exotic or insane than watching a James Bond movie. You would never see footage of Thailand. You would never see footage of China. And I think the companies that made these movies Probably came up with, well, where do we want to go before the script was even written? So as the years have gone on and you can turn on Netflix and watch a five-minute nature documentary that is more impressive than any James Bond set piece, then you lose the exotic location thing. Because that used to be a huge deal. You would start watching a James Bond movie and be like, where's the location going to be? Shit, Tahiti. Yeah, Tahiti. Where's, you know, what exotic thing is James going to get into? Now I think we're going to start realizing that not only does that make all these movies really pointless to have to go back and rewatch, but in the case of especially the one we're about to talk about, um, it's pretty racist. Yeah, and no. <laughs> it's pretty out of step for, you know, for wanting to show you another side of the world, they populate the movie with characters who are xenophobic right. and racist including James Bond.
1: From an era of film that like people commonly regularly laugh about how out of touch and racist and homophobic is this one just goes above and beyond
0: this one yeah, (laughs) yeah this one went uh out of its way like seven exits on the highway to offend me on more than one occasion and um i think uh without further ado it's time to jump into the man with the golden gun okay so the man with the golden gun um is uh, a James Bond film uh, released in 1974. Um, the budget of the film was only $7 million, which is really, when you think about it, pretty outrageous, um, even for the time.
1: Yeah, uh, that, depends on locale.
0: Yeah, I mean, seven. these days, $7 million is uh, literally a penny um, in terms of movie production for a movie right. like this. Um, and the gross was $97.6 Now, what's insane about that is that um as a frame of reference mall
1: rats cost seven million dollars to make. right
0: it. yeah okay so that's a perfect way of looking at it mall rats cost the same to make as a movie that has a james bond yeah action a film. a james bond picture that takes place in literally every fucking country in the world um for no reason yeah. um and uh i think it's an amazing gross i mean that is um i'm not good at math or anything but seven into 97 is quite a lot i mean they made their return pretty huge um I just want to say one more thing that I kind of forgot to go over in the last section in terms of um, these movies. Um, one thing I find um, pretty incredible about all these James Bond movies um, is that every time they switch to a new actor, it seems like a great effort is made to kind of fix the mistakes of what made you know the last iteration of James Bond either work or not work. And I think that in many cases... Um, that start is so strong because they have years of waiting until the next James Bond comes out. And when they finally do, they've got a good idea. They got a good actor. They put things together. Like, look at Goldeneye. Goldeneye was a really personal story. James Bond is fighting another double agent from his past. That was Pierce Brosnan's first. Everybody loved it. Um, Roger Moore had the same kind of effect with his first, um, and Daniel Craig, obviously, with Casino Royale, that was a chance to try to reboot it completely. And I think what's incredible about the James Bond movies is they try so earnestly to pretend like this isn't your dad's James yeah, Bond. Yeah, this is the new yeah. thing. And then you watch one movie later, right. it's all over. Yeah. Okay, James yeah. Bond second movie uh, with Pierce Brosnan, Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah. compared to Goldeneye, is like dropping straight die, off. Die another or... day. Is so, yeah, far and away. Well, then they the even... The worst James Bond movie Then they right? just get worse and worse and worse. Dude, Die Another um, Day
1: makes this movie look like Dr. Bell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In <laughs> Die um, Another Day, the the Brosnan bond went from, you know, so you got, you got, uh, you got, uh, what's his face? Fucking, before Roger Moore.
0: I, I don't know if it, it was Connery, Yeah, right Connery. So Connery is
1: so straight, so close to the chest, just suave, debonair. It's all about this mysterious guy that's just all about the girl. It's the classic archetypical James Bond story. Then we move to Roger Moore, where it's all about. <laughs> it's a cartoon. It turns know, into a commercial. It's like it's like out of touch white creators and producers trying to respond to like the psychedelic era, where there's yeah. like a lot of like weird cinematography. Yeah, they're are like definitely Kubrickian is a hallways. Yeah, and just like tr- translucent fade overs. And it's just a a caricature of the same series. Then you get to Brosnan. By the time you get to Brosnan in Die Another Day, there is no substance to those plots at all. It is about gadgets and special effects. And they are driving around in an invisible car. Yeah, yeah.
0: I like to try to forget that ever happened. Um, But uh, thank you for bringing that back up. Yes, he was in an invisible car driving on an ice field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, what I'm basically trying to get at is that um, every time they reboot Bond, things are going great. Second movie, fucking straight into the dumpster. I mean, Daniel Craig's second movie I thought was one of the worst ever made, Quantum of Solace. I didn't say it. thought it was one of the most forgettable, awful movies. You're glad I didn't make you watch that. There wouldn't even be anything to talk about other than yeah. just sadness. But this, uh, <laughs> The Man with the Golden Gun, boy, am I is glad we watched that. Uh, not only amazing, but this is the second one from Roger Moore.
1: I do have to confess, I totally did watch this as a kid. Yeah, I mean, and, me, and me I, too. So growing up, I, my impression was always that I didn't like the Roger Moore films, huh. and like halfway through, I realized that it was because I saw this one. Oh. But I, I don't know that I ever watched the end, because at the end, I was like, oh, this last scene is like, like filmed interestingly yeah. after like two and a half hours of shit right and then it's the most anticlimactic climax ever oh my god yeah all right all um right. i'm bearing
0: the lead there yeah we're burying the, a little bit um but uh spoiler alert uh the yeah. ending's fine <laughs> nothing happens don't worry um so uh this movie uh the all i ever knew about this movie before watching it um was just the weapon the golden gun uh yeah. Cause, from, from golden because of the game and that weapon in golden eye is the most powerful weapon in the game and that led me to believe that it was probably based on a part of the james bond mythos that was serious and had an impact on the yeah. culture um i was not correct about that <laughs> no this movie Just a dick um, with a gun this movie was panned uh when it came out and um i don't think it was panned hard enough because it made like eight times its budget but um i think i mean Gili uh, made money yeah wow well, that's sad huh
1: are we gonna have a section where we talk about my hot takes and we can? We we're can... only
0: we're gonna have a section where you just talk about Geely, bud. We, That's can, it. Can we eventually? T- you know, have you seen Geely? I have. That is the one where Ben Affleck is like a pervert and he's trying to fuck a lesbian all the whole time jennifer, lopez, uh, jennifer right? lopez yes yes yeah, yeah. that movie is god awful i liked it we will get I into saw in the th- theater oh I okay it. all right well we're gonna have a lot to talk about next week folks but uh for now <laughs> we're gonna get started on um this piece of shit james bond movie it's like chasing amy but with the mob oh god um ugh. We'll talk about it next week. All right. <laughs> All right so uh, let's get down to brass tacks welcome here. To Gili um, welcome to the Gili podcast <laughs> with Dan and Dan, uh, a weekly discussion of the film Gili um, from a uh, perspective of the Palestinian Israel conflict. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, where to start with this movie other than literally the first shot? Okay. The first fucking shot of yeah. this movie so is a zoom in immediately this is a zoom in <laughs> on a man's body who gets out of the ocean it is a zoom in on a third nipple speaking of maras um and uh not only is it a third nipple but it is hairy it is and it, juicy it's a different it color is succ- it's brown it is succulent the, his other nipples are fully red yeah okay and then this one is a full so nipple? Just like, to make sure to draw your eyes. I've had friends who've had a, an extra nipple, and do. it does not look like a nipple. Does that have percent. a full areola. It looks like a beauty mark with a small areola. Right. Um, welcome back to the third nipple <laughs> podcast with Dan and Dan uh, coming at you right after the Jeely podcast at seven p.m. <laughs> um, on Q five oh eight. On Q Vibe 08. Um So yeah, the movie starts with a shot of. A third nipple. That's how I knew I was going to watch something that I would forever enjoy. (laughs) I knew we
1: were in for something special.
0: Um, Let's, let's, now, one thing I do hate about these kinds of podcasts is that oftentimes we can get really carried away in terms of talking about the absolutely bad shit insane things here without putting out the basic framework. So in about two sentences, I'm going to lay it down for you guys in terms of what this movie is about. Every James Bond movie is the same formula. It is a bad guy. It is James Bond. It's several exotic locales and a mission that really makes no sense and is an excuse for him to go around and fuck different women. So many women. Um, This movie... Uh, the villain is played by Christopher Lee, um, who I could not talk enough about. Uh, check in 8 p.m. on q 8 and we'll <laughs> be doing the Christopher Lee podcast following this. Um, Christopher Lee, one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, Count Dooku would probably be his best performance, yeah. uh, right behind um, Saruman um, and uh, every single Tim Burton movie that he was shoved into against his will. Um and this guy... Are, are you implying that the man with the golden gun is not Christopher Lee's crowning achievement? Uh, I would say this is probably up there for him, sadly. Um, uh, and an interesting th- uh, thing to note about Christopher uh, Lee in terms of this movie... Rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. I think this is Sir Christopher Lee. Yeah. And I'm doing like a thing here where I'm not respecting the royal family or the knighthood. But, um, Do you feel an obligation to Tonight's Game of Thrones, family? so I will learn my etiquette uh, once again. Um, Christopher Lee is Ian Fleming's cousin. Okay, I was about to say fuck the royal family, but we can put that aside. He is Ian Fleming's cousin, and he was originally tapped to play Dr. No. Really? Um, And he you, was... You did research. He was not... Yes, I did. I have a piece of paper in front of me. You we should some, reiterate
1: that Ian Fleming wrote the James Bond novels. Ian
0: Fleming wrote the James Bond novels. That's important. Lived in a house that he called Goldeneye. It okay. was a former spy or something. He based all of the James Bond stories off of Yeah, yeah, people life.
1: he knew in, like... Yeah.
0: When it comes to the man with the golden gun, this is the final film I think uh, developed out of one of his novels. Um, he wrote the novel uh, while he was very ill. Um, is actually the only novel that he was not able to go back through and do a second revision of. Which a lot of it fans, a lot. yeah, a lot this of movie f- now gets a pass. Yeah. yeah, a lot of fans R. of R. the Ian novel uh, of the novels of Ian Fleming have stated that it is the worst of his novels in terms of sloppiness. It is. Uh, kind of the bottom of the barrel. Um, so it only is fitting that it was adapted into, a, I think, a yeah. worse movie than and even the book. No, no, There's no way a book could be worse than this movie. No I mean, I was, It's not possible. How many
1: good adaptations of books were there in the 70s? I feel like there were just, it was every single oh, one was like, it's the I same don't thing, think they, they're going they, for that. they
0: still haven't figured out how to properly adapt stuff, so I wouldn't say we're even there yet. It, it
1: was like that, that time frame the early 70s where they first started being allowed to show women in bikinis on film, and people just went way apeshit with it and they're like i'll give you 10 million dollars to show some tits on screen
0: and that's the other thing now like uh how i was talking about before how james bond movies were used as this kind of travelogue that no longer makes sense it was also used for kind of kids to get their rocks off in terms of seeing hot girls i mean bond girls used to be a thing just like playboy playmates used to be a thing and neither of those things i think exist anymore or really have a right to be hailed as something anymore now that you can find porn on the internet by like literally blinking twice and it's already in front of you. So I think that that is another good point in terms of things that are useless about these movies. I mean, you know, if I want to have a little alone time with myself, I typically don't reach for a movie from 1973 starring Roger Moore. You reach for swordfish. I reach for either swordfish (laughs) or Gili, um, um, or anything with Christopher Lee. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, this movie starts uh, with a shot of Christopher Lee's third nipple. Um, wait, wait, wait.
1: wait, wait. Right, we, we missed, a, oh, we we missed I, a very vital part of what, the James that? Bond experience. What's that? The theme song.
0: Oh, it's awful. Well, I was going to do that in a little bit because it doesn't happen until after the, but it got awful. I don't know who recorded it. I mean, it's terrible. I um, I looked it up. It was some... Oh, good. So you did research yeah, that. I didn't do This I, is why we're the perfect just puzzle Just because I criticized
1: you doesn't mean that I also took in the information. Right.
0: He was planning on criticizing me and never doing his work, but... Yeah, don't the worry. The homework's already paying off.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't enough homework for me to remember the, the woman's name, the fine gentlewoman... That's fair. ...who recorded the song, but it was just a generic underground soul artist not not it was terrible it was not only is it terrible The most on the nose lyrics yes exactly it was it is
0: about the man with the golden gun (laughs) this is literally a song about man with the golden
1: gun so the thing i hate the most about james bond films as someone who does respect and enjoy several of them but as a series what i hate is that it embodies that classic film concept of you know show don't tell when it comes to exposition. Right. And they just, they're like, oh my god, that.
0: Dude, we're going to get to it in a minute, but the exposition handling in yeah. this movie <laughs> is, is irresponsible.
1: It is like when you are given an SAT question where it's like you have five pages, you must fit your entire picture prompt. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's like they yeah. wrote a treatment for the plot summary and we're like, yeah, that scene one, act one, they're in the bag.
0: We're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to get there real soon. Um, So basically, I wrote three paragraphs about the first scene of exposition. (laughs) Um, movie opens up with Christopher Lee. Um, like I said, I was going to do a two sentence recap. Uh, so basically in this movie, Christopher Lee plays a guy named Scaramanga, uh, we will, scaramanga. We will get into his backstory. I think it's manga. Really? It's not La? Scaramanga.
1: Can, I just can't hear what you You can pronounce
0: arms. it however you Scalam- feel. Com- scaramanga. Scaramanga. Right. Yeah. No, it's All right. Scaramanga. Yeah, okay. Christopher Lee says Scaramanga. Yeah. That was a good Christopher Lee. Yeah. That to me I'm going to back that up, <laughs> that actually. That was like great.
1: Scaramanga to me. Um, okay, so um, Christopher Lee is. Yeah. <laughs> by
0: the way, we have not started yet. Um so Christopher Lee is uh Scaramanga, um, who is a hitman. He's the man with the golden gun. Um uh he basically uh without going into too much detail, is um the lead villain in terms of this secret energy project that James Bond is going after. We're gonna get into you that. What was going on? Oh, we're gonna get into it. Okay. Because our audience I know when we started this said, when are they going to talk about the energy <laughs> crisis from Man with the Golden Gun? Because that's all anyone remembers from this, not the three nipples. It's pretty topical. Um, it actually was, and I will tell you why okay. when I get there, because I wrote it down. But um, uh, So, um, uh, he's the bad guy, and he is not only trying to do this evil energy plot... But he lives on a fantasy island with the uh, dwarf from fantasy fucking island. fantasy island. Man, that was a great segue. Um, and um, uh, I
1: was, dude, I was so looking forward to making that joke myself. No, oh, too late. Oh, you
0: fuck! I got it in the synopsis. Look, I um, have it right here. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so uh, basically, um, you know, the energy plot. James is trying to foil that, and at the same time, he's being pursued by the man with the golden gun, Scaramanga, who is the world's most dangerous assassin who, for reasons that make absolutely no sense, has a gun that's like a million dollars a bullet, and we're going to get into that. It makes and no sense. And it's so impractical.
1: It's the most impractical-looking firearm. It is also
0: not a good firearm yeah. by any means for long distance, and he's making shots from uh, probably 1,000 yards. It's incredible. Um, so anyway, he's the bad guy. Uh, James is after him. He's going to meet a lot of women that he's going to have sex with. And here we go. So the movie starts with Christopher Lee's third nipple. It's disgusting. We don't know why we're being shown that. Um, it's playing romantic music in the background. We zoom out. And his girlfriend, I don't know if you noticed, is rubbing him with a towel? She is. Like she's rubbing him down in a way that I found fairly uncomfortable, actually. It seemed uh, not consensual. It seems like he just needed... It's like when
1: your dog is reluctantly being cleaned or being bathed.
0: She's like, I know I need to dry you. (laughs) And I know you're not going to do it for yourself. Because this Scaramanga guy, as we'll find out does nothing for himself <laughs> yeah. he's got every butler and luxury in the fucking world no one has any idea why he's still killing people with the things that he has yeah. um but uh you know she's rubbing his leg with the tabasco I, ooh, Tabasco! tabasco. I, just, <laughs> I just went one line ahead she's rubbing his leg with a <laughs> towel and the first line of the fucking movie the first words that anyone utters in this movie that is shot around the world that is based on a book is knickknack tabasco <laughs> okay So the guy from Fantasy Island, the dwarf, and I'm sorry I didn't look his name up, but he's very famous, and actually was Uh, just a... his name is a... He just made a movie with the guy from Game of Thrones playing him. Uh, Really? Tyrion, yeah. Uh, An HBO film about his life. He was a wild party animal of a guy. He was nuts. What's
1: uh, what's, what's that fine actor's name? I don't know, but I want to
0: say, interesting side note, like many things that are taken for the Austin Powers movie... um, that the idea of mini-me. Peter Dinklage, that's what he's saying. Well, that's the, from, du- that's from, the guy who yeah, plays him. From station Eight. I, I could have told you that. Oh, that's what I was no, asking. six well, you station refer to, You
1: referred to him as Tyrion from Game of Thrones. That, I mean, come on. That's a respected what people,
0: What's it going to say on his fucking gravestone? It's, it's Ga- going to say, it's it's gonna 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 say, say Tyrion.
1: Peter Dinklage from Elf.
0: Was he an elf? Yeah, he was the midget. See, this is why you're the perfect co-host, okay. because I don't want to know that fact, okay. and now I do. He was the short one. Do you mean... Helper, Santa's helper. You use the word midget. That's very strong for 2019. I want to maybe back that you up? You said midget twice already. Did I? Yeah, I said dwarf earlier. Earlier, you said midget. I gave it a respectful dwarf. Are we not allowed to say midget? We're gonna move on with dwarf. Uh, midget, but midget. check back at nine <laughs> o'clock for the midget podcast. Um, so I love my
1: retarded cast.
0: So um, yeah, um, the first line of the movie is Scaramanga yelling at his butler, who is uh, this uh, dwarf named Knickknack. And he's ordering for some Tabasco. He says, knick-knack Tabasco. And that is how you open your movie, with the line, knick-knack Tabasco. Yeah. Um, with that being said. The dwarf's
1: name is Nick-knack.
0: Yes. Yeah. That, that is what I've been saying yeah. for it's,
1: quite some time. Yeah. yeah. Same. But really what like is his guys. actor name? That is oh, what I need you to it's, find. It's French. I can't pronounce it. It's, oh, uh, great. it's like Herve, it. uh, it's like Hervé. Try it.
0: It's like Hervé Laveau or something, right? What was is his that? Is that how
1: you say that? Uh, Hervé
0: Oh, no. It's way. Okay. I just made some name up.
1: Anyway. Should I bring up one of those YouTube things where it's like, how to pronounce no, this he's actor that no one besides No, he's just your the guy that went, deep plane, de plane yeah, that's, what, that's, yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. And so I can't it. believe that anymore. I thought that's how the movie was going to start. Oh, I thought they were going to work that line yeah, in. For sure. For sure. Well, this movie actually predated Fantasy Island. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. No, it did not. Yeah. I looked that. That was the first thing I looked
0: up. This movie, <laughs> which stars this dwarf actor as the henchman of the head of a crazy <laughs> island was before Fantasy Island.
1: Yeah, it's where they got the idea. No,
0: I'm
1: about that
0: one. I mean, that's that's not a fact that I saw coming. Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, that Montabon. shit started in 77. Ricardo Montalban is basically Christopher Lee. They're basically the same actor, yeah. minus yeah. an accent. They're both very strong European. S- somehow Montalban's
1: actually creepier, somehow. Yeah, yeah, I'm Then the three-nippled...
0: <clears throat> Wrath of Khan, by murder. the way, um, now rented at your local blockbuster, starring ricardo Maltabon.
1: yeah as con join us later for concast
0: join us later for concast <laughs> all right um anyway uh, so we already got we
1: already got podcast jokes inside jokes
0: inside jokes um now we need an audience um okay so <laughs> welcome to Jokecast. basic breakdown here and this is something that i had a tremendous difficulty understanding is that the relationship between knickknack and scaramanga no is puzzling yeah, it makes no incredible. sense because at one I can tell
1: if they're enemies if he's his sidekick but Nick Knack is actually working
0: against him Nick Knack says multiple times throughout the movie that he wants him dead If you kill my boss I, I get, get all everything. of his money Yeah What the fuck Yeah Is We've, that What? Yeah
1: <laughs> Should we jump ahead to the final scene no. No, right. not yet. I mean, I feel like the confusion with Nicknack's <laughs> character is all like the final scene is a, a complete microcosm for all of. Absolutely. It, it's like it's like they took various drafts of the script. And like, yeah, and some like of some them Nicknack was, Knack was a good was like, guy. Yeah,
0: Nicknack. And some of them Nicknack was his friend, and some Nicknack yeah. was his enemy. They were like, we're really. we're the, He's in sitcom development,
1: and we like, like, need him to be a positive we character. We don't know what to do with Nicknack. they like, well, we already filmed it, so they just pulled a little plant 9 from outer space and just <laughs> took some fucking stock footage of Bela Lugosi and just fucking threw it
0: in. Mm. Um, yeah. Nick knack basically. And here's what's so confusing it, about it it his relationship. Reference. Right? We have... Um, Nick knack is his butler. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah. For he sure. is also... He's also, like, his henchman? He's also his henchman. There are multiple times that he's doing things. But here's where things get confusing. Because the next scene in the movie... They um, A guy... Co- they fuck. <laughs> a guy comes to the island. Um, we don't know for what... It's obvious that he's going to be Scaramanga's next vi- victim, right? Which this
1: overall is one of the most confusing
0: scenes. This I've is, ever I mean, seen.
1: because you have basically
0: have three bad guys. You it have was Knickknack like Kafka-esque. It was it, yeah, it was like an Andy Warhol movie that they would project <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the wall during <laughs> yeah, an orgy. Totally, it made no sense. Totally. So basically, like they play at What like makes no sense about n- <laughs> what makes no sense about Knickknack is that as this scene plays out, Knick-Knack is testing scaramanga in this insane like i want to say james bond-esque but (laughs) batman batcave esque training room from hell that has um a wild west section that has a gangster section and basically this guy who's come to the album uh, come to the island to kill scaramanga Knickknack puts him and Scaramanga into this yeah. insane <laughs> maze, <laughs> and then and it is extreme, like and then psychedelic. It's, it's psychedelic. Great. There's lights everywhere. There are Wild West the things popping out of every corner. There's it's weird like, angles. There's weird projections. It's like
1: vertigo, you know, vertigo where like it does the zoom in and out. Yes, of exactly. And it's tilted slightly. There, is there that, are
0: that going on? there are whole parts where um, there are. What I would assume would be like Disneyland uh, animatronics that are attacking the two men, but they are played by real actors, which makes it even more confusing because you don't know what you're looking at because then you have this guy who's dressed like Al Capone who is a real actor with sweat on his fucking face coming out and pointing a gun.
1: And the victim, the soon-to-be victim who is there speaks to the animatronic Al Capone. Yeah. To reveal that he is a, a gang affiliate, and a
0: mob affiliate. It is insanity. Yeah. So basically, Nick knack has built this carnival of horrors to <laughs> send his boss through voluntarily. And as he's going through it, yeah, it's trying... it's like
1: Jigsaw the entire time. Yeah,
0: it's like Jigsaw, yeah. He's like speaking and through this piece. As Christopher Lee is hunting his prey knick-knack is constantly thwarting him (laughs) okay and at any second the other guy could kill christopher lee knick-knack is again and again confusing misleading misleading (laughs) christopher lee over and over again to the point where he could have gotten his boss killed a thousand times they keep cutting to knick-knack who's in a control room smiling he thinks it's hilarious he loves it he's living for it we don't know why why would Christopher Lee, who is the world's most dangerous assassin like have a butler who wants to kill him who says to everyone, I want this man's money yeah. it the relationship it not only does it make no sense, but it's 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 just wrong and it, it's puzzling because then you can't discern who is the fucking bad guy in this right, movie because right. you I almost felt bad for Christopher Lee. I'm like <laughs> he's got this guy who's sending him into a carnival to torture him. I guess it was kind of like the way that Alfred with Batman would set Batman up in the Batcave and go, all right, Master Bruce, we have three enemies coming your way. And then like three three things would pop up um, and then uh, Batman would have to get rid of them. The difference here is uh, this would be like if the Joker broke into the Batcave and then Alfred was like, this would be a good time to right, train. Right. Okay, Master Bruce, uh, we have like, you know, this obstacle coming. It makes no sense I, because... I
1: legitimately rewound this scene two times. I couldn't understand it, and I the I wrote one note. I don't understand what's happening. So then, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna go back and listen to the very on the nose theme song that laid out the entire yes. plot. Surely that will clear this hellscape. No, they out. did not sing about no. knickknacks in uh, there. <laughs>
0: actually, no. The
1: whole song about the man with golden gun. There was no part where it mentioned that he gets his rocks off going through these carnival esque. Like it's like it's it's like the uh, the the river in Willy Wonka. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also one of those things that, and I hate this in movies, where it's a cool idea, I guess, but if you think about it, once he goes through this thing once, not only does he know where every exactly. obstacle is, because there's only six obstacles in well, the that's thing. Well,
1: that's what I thought it was. I thought it was, like, just to confuse the
0: other guy. And... I mean, I don't know if this is the first time he's run this maze, or the yeah. thousandth time they don't make it clear, yeah. and Knickknack what keeps... is the purpose for it? to keep him sharp on his toes as training. But if you're going to train someone, don't have an actual yeah. guy who's been right. sent there to kill. And they and keep cutting like to the other... animatronic James Bond at the end of it, too. Yes, okay. Here is what is... I mean, this is like... This is a new low. So at the end of this maze, there's an animatronic James Bond played by Roger Moore <laughs> right. in a tuxedo, <laughs> which I don't want to go out on a limb here, but I don't think he even wears a tuxedo once in this whole film. No, no, no. Um, this is going to be a good time to put the most disappointing fact in, actually, about okay. this entire movie. This is the lowest kill count of any James Bond movie. He actually only kills one person in the entire movie. And, and I'm scum, not going to give uh, away uh, who that... Oh, uh, 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 it might be Scaramanga. I mean, he may also torture Knickknack to death. I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't think that uh, health and safety I mean, towards Nick-Nack little people... joins him in bed later towards the end. Yes. Yeah, that was... Okay. We're going to... We'll get yeah, there. Unfortunately. But, um... Yeah, uh, he's got a full animatronic Roger Moore there, um... Also looks exactly like he does in that current day and age. Really makes you wonder how uh he got that made up. Yeah. And he shoots, I think, the arm off of it. He shoots uh the fingers off, I believe. Right. And that's what and, and then and then that leads back to the question I was just asking is after that day, did Nick Knack go and have, you know, a new James Bond cast and a new Al Capone cast? Right, because right. he pretty much blew those things apart. Right. Um and uh yeah, I mean, okay, so it's then...
1: it's, it's a grotesque display <sighs> as well. Oh god.
0: So this movie opens up with One puzzling thing after another. I mean, the fact that Scaramanga has three nipples, um, that was enough for me. And then the whole knickknack thing started, and I didn't even know what I was watching. I didn't know when James Bond was going to show up, because usually, again, going out on a limb, most cold-open James Bond movies involve James Bond.
1: Bond. Well, I mean, we had a statue of james bond played by him which
0: is the next best right. <laughs> oh my god um <laughs> it, yeah i guess that does count in, in its own stupid way um and i think it, it goes to note at this point that when we do switch over to james bond I, it was almost disappointing because right. like i think after that first scene i was like i want to know more That's about christopher lee about. christopher lee is a more commanding presence than roger moore could ever be. right Dude, um
1: this i watched that first scene I I rewound it, I watch it, and I went to text you to be like, this is gonna be incredible. I was like, I have no idea what I'm watching. Right. But it's like I'm watching some like rogue anarchist cinema. Like it it, there is no (laughs) rhyme. Yeah, it's like cinema verite, like I was like, This is I don't know what's going on. It started with the three nipples, we have the dwarf from Fantasy Island, there's no plot coherence already. This is gonna be incredible. And I can't wait for more of these angles. And yes. what preceded was sli- two yeah. hours and 25 <laughs> minutes of
0: nothing happening. Literally nothing. And yet, a lot. I guess. I was Nothing like, happening plot-wise. I
1: was going back over it, and I was like, that was a lot of people talking. There were some kung fu fights. The movie
0: could have been two scenes. Okay? The movie could have been scene one, Scaramanga Funhouse uh, orgy with Knick-Knack and Tabasco. <laughs> scene two... Could have been James Bond showing up to the island and attacking Scaramanga. That right. could have been the whole movie, right. ten minutes long. The end.
1: There was also an aspect. Speaking of these, you can, these you can can't figure out whose loyalty is to whom. No, no, not at all. The I was very confused about the relationship between Bond and what's her name.
0: Good night. We are getting to good. Right, the woman did So night. we're we're getting there. Let's let's ramp up to that because yeah. that was one of several things in the movie that literally seemed like you were um, stepping into the third episode of a TV show you've yeah. never seen.
1: I'm shocked that the intro to this movie hasn't been projected behind like an RJD2 concert.
0: I mean, the intro to this movie is like if um, they got Pink Floyd to like take acid and write one scene of a James Bond movie, yeah. and if only the rest of the movie. I think the rest of the movie is funnier, but for the wrong reasons. Right. This, oh, yeah. this was baffling. This is what I think. After watching that scene, this is what I contacted it was you. one of
1: the artsier things I've seen. Yeah. In...
0: And there are some. Moment, we're going to get to. There's one moment in this film that I found fantastic. Okay. Um. But let's uh let's ramp up here. Um. So basically, we got the intro out of the way. Theme song hits. It has got awful. Um, that is a good time to take a, a nap if you are watching this movie or fast forward. Um, then the movie goes from full sound, full effects, lights, camera, action, big guns and shit like that, and like this crazy scene. Cut to extremely dry British office. No sound. No natural ambient the sound number at all.
1: One least enjoyable James Bond scene I've ever seen is this
0: scene. This is uh this is a, the driest scene you could ever imagine. So James walks into an office of extremely dry British people um, who uh, don't say anything to him. They immediately right off the bat say, do you know who Scaramanga is? Now, here's what is interesting about this. Um, they tell him right off the bat, and I want you to remember this moment because we're going to come back to this. I, this this is entire where the,
1: paragraph is about just I'm let, you take, no, I'm let you take No, I'm going
0: to let you take that moment. Uh, I'm going to take something before that, though. Okay. Um, so uh, just for everyone to keep in, in their mind before... Uh, Uh, Dan gets into how insane this exposition dump coming up is. It's the most embarrassing thing a writer has ever committed to a movie. Um, uh, It is worth noting that they do say to James when he walks in, James, how's the energy crisis thing going? And James goes, it's going pretty good. (laughs) And they go, well, you're off of that. Right. And now uh, they Ah. enter, then they ask him, do you know Scaramanga? I'm going to let Dan talk a little bit about James Bond's answer to do you know Scaramanga? (laughs) All right. So, keeping in mind that this happens directly
1: after the theme song, which had, as we said, the most on-the-nose lyrics ever, where the song itself is called The Man with the Golden Gun. It lays out, the man with the golden gun is a man who will kill anybody with one shot for a million dollars. They somehow stretched that concept into 13 verses. <laughs> so, after that, we know what's going on. So, we know the man with the golden gun is Scaramanga, or Scaramanga, what is it? Scaramanga. Scaramanga. That's I'll get Scaram- there eventually. The- so they ask, do you know Scaramanga? To which James Bond
0: responds, uh,
1: not really.
0: James like, Bond pauses. Yeah. He, now he takes a, a, hmm, I don't know. He goes, hmm. Like he is really, th- yeah. he can't think He's of like, a single Scaramanga. detail. Scaramanga,
1: it sounds vaguely this is familiar. Like, this
0: is like if a friend came up to you and you're shooting the shit and your friend is like, you remember last Wednesday when we were talking to that guy, Tony, my friend? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I don't even think it's that much for uh, that. No, and you know you're reality. right. It's it, even it, less, It's like it's, it's like hey, like, do you,
1: do you, you remember Tom? that kid that was in our class and in you're like, seventh grade uh, history who gave that book report on Grapes of Wrath? And you're like, I guess. Uh, like, what's his name? And they're like Tom. And you're like, yeah, I have. I know that I met a guy named Tom one time who is Scaramanga. And then he proceeds to rattle off. The most, most specific. specific minutia of this man's entire mm-hmm. his his current life, mm-hmm. his upbringing, his parents, th- the way he conducts his business um, for a minute and ten seconds, but all
0: maintaining. <laughs> the same air of like I don't yeah. know and yeah, he was, he was, you, you know, mean the guy uh, yeah. you mean the guy who was born in the circus and his right. mother was a snake charmer right. and his father was the right. Cuban ringmaster he is more well studied on this human being <laughs> He knows more on yeah. anything he knows more about this guy than I do about the guy three feet in front of me right like, now hey, and hey he Dan. had to think about it hey Dan
1: have you ever heard of drums? <laughs> and you're like, ah. Oh. Mm. As you're picking out all of your uh, drums. Yes. Uh, and you're like, yeah, that's that's these, right? <laughs> I, I believe these are the things I've been playing for 20 fucking years.
0: Yes. And that's what this entire scene is. Uh, he knows so many specific details. Like I said, uh, Scaramanga um, uh, was, uh, his mother was a snake charmer. His father was Cuban. Not sure why we needed that detail, but yeah. hell yeah. I mean, so that we can hate him. Yes. So, so that the audience is. of the so can, we can hate, understand hate. his otherness yeah. and then hate him. This for. is
1: right after the Cuban Missile Crisis. This was fresh in everyone's mind. We're yes. like six years removed. 100%. So, the, the, all the fucking white men in that crowd were like, fucking They're Kennedy. Like, Fuck,
0: Cuban. I don't think I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I hope
1: that guy dies later. Uh,
0: so, Scaramanga's father was the ringmaster of a circus. The mother was a snake charmer. These are details that, uh, oh, and, okay, all right, wait. And he says, um, right off the bat, he's like, um, well, uh, uh, I know that he has, and then says the oh, medical yeah. term, yeah. <laughs> the right. medical term for having a third nipple, which I don't have written down, but... It is so specific. Right. I think it was a tertiary yeah. mammary yeah. Uh, something. A
1: tertiary mammary.
0: Bottom line is the guy knows fucking everything yeah. about Scaramanga when they and they ask do, him, they do, "Do you they know do him?" That
1: thing where he goes, "He goes, oh, he yeah, has a tertiary thing." And they go, "They go, a what? He has a third nipple, sir." Yeah, like, like, that was like, the most fucking Laurel and Hardy esque fucking setup.
0: <laughs> I mean. He
1: knows a lot about Scaramanga. And the music, very slightly in the background, he says the third nipple goes, And so, because that's the moment where everyone put it together. Oh, that's that guy earlier that we saw with the third nipple.
0: Because the thing with this movie is this, that if you wanted to do a zoom in on the third nipple, it should have been saved until after we had talked about a character with a third nipple. nipple, To start the film with a push in on a third nipple. Is so bizarre. The movie is I can't like
1: a silent movie. Like it's like we right. it's like we can't use the power of implication and subtlety. Yeah, so we're going to we give you everything. this? Because our audience are fucking morons. Yeah, I mean everything <laughs> like, is explained to you absolute I like, death. Uh, I was offended by the way this movie treated my intelligence.
0: I'm doing a two hour podcast on this movie, and yeah. I think that this movie explains yeah, so things really to death. Yeah. I think me. um <laughs> So um, yeah, that was insane. Albert R. So, Broccoli is rolling in his grave in joy. Um, Bond knows all of these things about him, which are more specific than anything you could ever imagine. More yeah. details than, more more... than you probably know about your wife. Exactly. Well, definitely. I mean, I try <laughs> to know very little. Well. But um, what is so fucking incredible about this as well uh, is that the guys say to him, he says to them, uh, you know, how am I going to get Scaramanga? They say, well, there's no picture of him. Right. But we know he has three nipples, right? So we know all of his intimate details. What a what a damn convenient plot device! We know everything about him. Yeah. We even know something deeply personal and upsetting that probably no one has ever yeah. seen, yeah. other than people who've died. Immediately, Yeah, they're
1: treating this man and his disability as if he is a creature. Yeah, they.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're like, oh, you're talking about the three nipple He's goblin, fucking. Oh, you're talking about the three nipple goblin? Oh, yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Mother was in the circus? Yeah. Oh yeah! Huge Cuban yeah. ringmaster they have, they fire? They had
1: to make him the most. Like, just absurd characters. Couldn't shows? it have just been? He's a, yeah.
0: he's a killer. We don't yeah. know anything about him, but he's dangerous. You can tell
1: they do not come from the Christopher Nolan School of Filmmaking.
0: No. They're <laughs> like, we things. are going to explain this to you a thousand yeah, times. Yeah, they're
1: like, fuck this guy. He doesn't So,
0: matter. once again, uh, James Bond is kind of uh, asked to step away from the energy crisis, uh, which becomes kind of a focal point yeah. in the what I would refer to as the, the B B-plot. Plot, yeah. For sure, yeah. because even though it is most definitely the fate of the world, um, yeah. the plot more is about... Tabasco, Nick knack <laughs> yeah. Scaramanga, the third nipple, and, and James Bond. Good night, good and goodnight. Good night. Yeah, we're going to get to goodnight really <laughs> soon. So, um, what ends up happening there is they talk a little more about how James is going to leave the energy crisis. The energy crisis thing is fascinating twofold because once uh, one part of it is that Britain was actually having an energy crisis at the time they had not recovered from it yet. So people were looking for alternate solutions. What is incredible in this movie, um, that I found really kind of hilarious is that this is a movie from the 70s where they were like, um, uh, you know, uh, we could fix the energy crisis with solar power. Right. That's basically the crux of this movie. Right. And uh, at one point, these dry British guys who are explaining this to James Bond say something to the effect of, um, yeah, well, we don't need that nasty coal anymore. We don't need yeah. blah, blah, blah. What's incredible about that is that, you know, characters in a movie from 1973 were able to realize something right. that we still in 2019 right. should have done a thousand times over. Yeah. So really, what we're living in, since they do solve the energy crisis in this movie, they, they create the Solex, yeah. like the whole, the whole their <laughs> yeah. project works. Uh basically what I'm trying to say is we, that's the B plot we that yeah that's the B plot yes the, the solving of, of the energy crisis and the uh dissolution it's of practically, the oil it's practically industry is basically a macguffin yeah it's a macguffin it's for sure a macguffin it's like uh it could be replaced with like literally yeah. like uh we were trying to make the world's spiciest yeah, hot dog yeah. and, it's, and
1: it's just the most throwaway plot device that some fucking acid it out Ro- like roided out dude the same dude who conceptualized that <laughs> intro scene was sitting there like oh man I'm gonna fucking drop some knowledge on these suburban scum watching these jobs you know this kid yeah. went to film school and they gave him the game <laughs> fine play and he's like fuck man I mean, Consumer yeah. is fucking Sean Connery
0: if I were to rewrite this movie I would just take out the energy cru- or take out the um, knickknack obviously cause I mean what the How fuck dare you. I, what the fuck was How going dare on there? You. but I would take out the fact that Scaramanga is a hitman at all and make him the head of the energy company. Uh, Cuz that's what every other yeah. James Bond movie is right. like. There's rarely any James Bond movie. Now this might be a special thing actually about this movie is that almost every James Bond movie the bad guy is the head of some organization. Right. He's, he's like an he actual, like, bad a billionaire. billionaire. Yeah. He's This is a guy who's kind of a rogue agent, he's a mercenary, he's a hitman. Um, he's no
1: different than James Bond. There's which actually, they do address later which I yeah, actually didn't Yeah. Yeah. They which are kind one of, of the scenes I enjoyed a little bit more. They
0: are kind of two sides of the same shit coin. Yeah. Going.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. <laughs> Roger Moore does not see it that way. Let's make that clear.
0: So James Bond then heads out into um, his uh, th- his like side office where his concubine Monty Penny is constantly <laughs> being sexually oh, molested by him.
1: This um, <laughs> older woman. Yeah. Okay. First of all,
0: Monty Penny in this movie <laughs> yeah. looks like a fucking substitute math teacher from uh, when you were a kid and who is old like, and. She's
1: like, Richie cunningham's mom on happy days
0: yes yeah you know what she it might Don't be it, it, it might be but ma- like it might be the but same like interest. very suggestive
1: with every statement she made um
0: so uh james says to her um Monty penny you're better than a computer and she says in all sorts of ways yeah, yeah.
1: there's a follow-up kind of way you never bothered to find out Ugh.
0: i just picture Monty penny is like reading all of his mission briefings it's like Oh, he fucked nine women this time. Hm, still want to fuck him? Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, inner office romance. Yeah, I don't know. What would you say, Monty Penny's job is? Like her, I mean, her, her
1: like her character's purpose in the movie or her actual job?
0: Just what the fuck? The why? Why in a, in a film series where James Bond is laying waste to vagina across <laughs> the world, does he need to have? The comfortable girl that you used to fuck in high school it's, that you're still cool with. Why does he need that character? What does it do show for him? that
1: he's irresistible to all To literally times, everyone. They're times.
0: like, even the woman who does his taxes and picks right. up his garbage after he destroys a small right. Vietnamese town. <laughs> even she. <laughs> even she yeah. wants to yeah. fuck him. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other and, thing. And he treats them all with such contempt. Awful. <laughs> awful. Yeah, awful. Um... Uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip, actually, to one of my favorite lines, Uh, one of the most detestable things. I hope
1: it's in the next scene that I have an entire it, paragraph. Okay,
0: about. we'll actually wait until we get there, because we're <laughs> about to introduce another character that makes right. absolutely no sense. Um, so, uh, from here, uh, James Bond decides that he needs to trace the bullet. I'm going to try to keep us on track here with right. the plot. James Bond needs to trace the bullet that killed a previous 00 agent. Bill Fairbank. Bill Fairbank, by, um, Scaramanga.
1: Which leads to my now, favorite line in the entire movie.
0: Um, was that, uh, in around the belly dancing stuff? Or yes, that, yeah, all right, yeah, so, yeah. so basically, um, he finds out that, well, I gotta trace where the bullet came from, and, uh, that is Beirut. So, uh, we cut to James Bond in Beirut, belly, cute belly dancing music, right. which I will add in post. Right, right. Little, some shakers, yeah, yeah, yeah. some cha-chas of some sort, um, uh, Bond uh, is watching a, uh, um, and I found this woman attractive. The one belly dancing. Yeah, she had a good she, body. She, she was, was she was uh, not like the, like a, this anapronistic, disgusting like secretary look that like Monty Penny um, had. And uh, Bond be one of those podcasts where we critique the body types of all these uh, poor women from the seventies. Poor woman's body types on at ten p.m. Yeah. podcast with Dan and Dan. Um
1: That's the other Dan. That's not me. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so, sorry to my grandma. For the record,
0: yeah. uh, all the females who know, Dan, End and that was me. Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're both going to get grounded for various things in this podcast. I'm but f- I'm fine. Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine now. Um, <laughs> shout out, Rachel. What's up? Um, so uh, Bond uh, then is watching this woman belly dance. Uh, he then does what I think Roger Moore does best in these movies, which is invade on women's privacy. Yeah, He lets oh, himself yeah. right into Dude, her dressing room.
1: And she has no problem with that. Oh, know. she's
0: cool with it's it. It's completely, like, it's a usual thing. Oh, she's totally fine with it. So he walks into her dressing room. And she's changing. Oh, she's changing. And, and she's just like, oh, hello. But Dan, you're forgetting. He is so handsome yeah. that, I mean, women see him Yeah, and, then and his, like, man. his cigar-stained skin... <laughs> and uh his various STDs and thinning hair and they're <laughs> like my god let's go yeah, yeah. i mean his hair in this movie uh you can but see it's, thing- you can see it starting to decline there's lots of um mechanical processes keeping his hair on his head yeah. in this movie he's like um going on boat chases and things like that, and his hair, like, they're trying to not get footage of his hair whipping in every direction, so they, I think they, like, probably put a pot over his head right before every scene and, like, right. put a hair dryer under it and made sure right. it it's was going so well, It's well quaffed. It's well quaffed, but he gets distressed several times in the yeah. movie, and you could tell that there was probably a poor woman with a comb like, literally yeah. running after him <laughs> in the street, in the streets of Thailand trying to get his hair to not um, expose any of yeah. his incoming baldness. But um, the
1: thing with that woman, though, in that moment where he storms in is, like, at least they, they address this by the time they get to the Brazen series where you know he'll do his intrusive predatory thing where he walks in on a woman changing or whatever and yeah you know they'll respond with like it'll zoom in on their eyes to like and like play a musical cue to indicate oh they're tolerating this because they have nefarious like reasoning behind that they don't want him to know about or it's oh they look at him seductively and like oh they want him so it's okay in this setting he storms in and there is no sexual tension that moment she's just like no. oh hello. She's like, hey bud yeah thanks it's, for it's like a one thanks for letting play. yourself in where it just, he came in because the only option is to come in from stage
0: left. So Bond comes in, he asks her about the night that she was with Bill, Bill Fairbanks. Bill Fairbank. um, And here is my A, favorite moment in the AKA whole movie. A.K.A. 002. Yeah. Now, basically, uh, what's about to play out here is the inverse of the first it's, scene, it, right? Yeah, that's exactly um, what I have. The, it, this is an inverse of the first scene that we laughed at in terms of exposition dump. So Bond walks in, he walks up to her um he is now questioning her about this guy who died now we find out that he died while fucking her yeah
1: so she's my single favorite line in the movie he goes he asks her about bill fairbank and she goes bill she goes he goes do you know bill fairbank he goes what can you tell me about bill fairbank and she goes uh she goes bill fairbank i don't think i know and then proceeds to <laughs> inform him that he was shot yeah. to, while while holding her. While having sex with her. Now, And the, she keeps the bullet that went through his body as a pendant in her belly button and is wearing it at this very moment. But
0: her initial reaction
1: was, is, who I don't the know.
0: fuck is Bill and Fairbanks? So she actually says, when he asks her uh, about, uh, do you know Bill Fairbanks, um... She originally pretends like she does not know, um, however, when she does find out that she knows, she says, "Oh, we, oui, Bill,, yeah. I would never forget that. Right, night. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you just forgot yeah. it. <laughs> this is probably the only person to ever ask you about that night. <laughs> yeah. You are wearing the yeah. bullet that went through yeah. your lover's body.: in The moment that was she lodged is in the way. wall.: You can see the bullet. The bullet's literally On right the there. <laughs> oh, what is so fucking incredible about this um, as well? That's uh, how, how Bond tries to get the bullet. Well, the, yeah, Bond tries to get the bullet by basically going down on her uh, and licking and her stomach. To bite it out. As he is biting the bullet out of her uh navel piercing, thugs break into the room and James Bond swallows the right, bullet. Now, right. there are a couple now there are a couple things to talk about here with the bullet. Okay. A. This woman does not remember Bill Fairbanks, but while fucking him, he was murdered by Scaramanga. <laughs> yeah. She keeps the bullet, she puts it on her stomach. Yeah. However And the
1: and it's worth noting that it doesn't look like a regular bullet. It's a it's clearly a bullet that went into a person and right. expanded. It is But just, it's a regular bullet a, in the movie. Yeah, it's Completely a golden bullet um, that I, inevitably would have like tissue in it yes. that she's wearing pierced to her body.
0: I did some research. Apparently uh gold is not a good bullet. <laughs> No, no, no. It's it's too malleable. It is not the right uh weight or balance. It's valuable. Um, what's incredible about this to me is that uh yes, uh she remembers who um she remembers uh Bill and it's all coming back to her. I'll never forget that night, blah blah blah. Why did she take the bullet out of the wall and put it on her stomach? Her answer to that question is basically it's my good luck charm right now if you were let's say you're out on the night i marked that you're out on the night you're having fun you bring home a girl the two of you are you know getting with it whatever the kids say these days uh this girl is shot while riding you okay (laughs) the bullet goes into the wall she's murdered it will affect you the rest of your life what luck what where is the luck uh in this situation where you take the bullet out and go you know yeah i want to this yeah. even though if somebody asked me about it i'm probably yeah. not gonna remember this but... i carry my father's death certificate every time i go to buy lotto tickets <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um okay so he gets the bullet by choking on it um and uh and, and then gets pulled out by these thugs and there's an action scene that's just terrible mean, oh uh, it's mean, like Raid right to the redemption I mean, it's incredible yeah it's it's academy award winning but um after that fight um Bond uh, gets ready to uh, leave and track down the person who made the bullet. Oh, and now we're gonna get to my other favorite moment in the movie. But he says on the phone to his superior, "Uh, "I'll be there." Or maybe it was good night. He was talking to, "I'll be there," but first I need to stop at a pharmacy. Did you catch that line? I didn't. He says he's just swallowed the bullet, right? Okay. And he's a little injured,
1: like a saboteur. Well, he's been beaten up a little bit.
0: And, and let me tell you something about James Bond. I haven't seen all the movies, and I'm going to guarantee you without seeing them that there's never a scene where he goes, you know what? I need to go to the pharmacy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I should, I've been it's, shot it so make many it more times.
1: Reliable, more relatable.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. People in the I audience like we were like... We
1: really overdid it with how casually he walked into that dressing room. People let's, in let's the, bring the audience were the like...
0: People are like, yeah, I go to the pharmacy, too. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually uh, yeah. hitting a really close-to-home spot. Um, I, too, have metal in my ass sometimes. Yeah, I don't know why he needed to go to the pharmacy. That was a. I didn't catch
1: that at all. That's hilarious.
0: Um, yeah, I caught that on my second viewing and rewound it a couple oh of God, times. I forgot you watched it twice. You yeah, that's awful. Yeah, it's awful. Um, so anyway, the bullet was made in Macau. Um, uh, that is how he finds it out. So he travels there. Um, the buyer of the bullet. Okay. <sighs> God. The buyer of the bullet, he finds out, um, is Scaramanga's girlfriend. Right. I'm going to say girlfriend. Now, this is the woman who was, like, upsettingly right. rubbing him with a towel in the right. first scene. Right, right, um, So they set her up. She is played by you, Maude you, Adams. Yeah.
1: you Hold on. You skipped one of my favorite, absolute favorite movie, moments in the entire movie.
0: Okay. What uh, did I, what I, did I, I miss? I need to
1: address where... So- Goodnight picks him up to take him.
0: Let's let's just uh, get because we've been teasing this the whole time, even though it really doesn't fucking matter. But there's a character in this movie um, who I believe works for the same spy agency, MI6, right. as, yeah. as Bond. Her name is Goodnight. Is right. her last name? And um,
1: she is
0: she has it for James. She well, kind of. I mean, she kind of wants to fuck him, but she she's kind of like you need to prove you're a decent guy, which we'll get to him not right. doing that. Right. Um. But uh, she um. She seems like the kind of character that is in all of the movies. Yeah. If you had never seen it, you'd assume that uh, the rapport that her and James have built uh, would make it seem like she's in all she's the in other the movie movies. Right. Um, she I, is. I actually not. looked it up. I was like, "Is this a yeah, regular character?" I looked it up too. Um, so she is a character that was a character in the books. Okay. Um, who uh, resembles Monty Penny? So her real character, because apparently Monty Penny is not in the books. Apparently, Goodnight is Monty Penny. Okay. So now you have two extraneous what characters. Are names, man? I, I just, what is money, Penny? <laughs> I've never even thought, money and penny. They both mean money. Yeah. What is the point That's of that?
1: That's like the 70s, like. And Goodnight is, is like they, they want to do. A Jewish like, character.
0: Goodnight is they want to do something kind of sexual, but they're afraid if they call her like Misty Vagina, that, <laughs> that it'll be too yeah. much. So they're like, what's something a little more, co-? how about Goodnight? So
1: casual, just hello, Goodnight. I'm like, what?
0: I don't know why everybody. No one is immune to the name thing. Like James Bond, he should just be named like Rod Fuckstick. <laughs> um. Anyway, um, we're there. Uh, okay. All right. So you you were gonna talk about I, something with Goodnight. I yeah. mean, their their relationship is confusing, well, but go ahead. So Goodnight picks him up to to uh. He, so he he figured out he followed
1: that the woman that he's searching for, um, is driving a green Rolls Royce. She lives in a green Rolls Royce and he in the most awkward moment in I find the entire movie he tells goodnight that the driver is driving a great green Rolls-Royce and that he needs to find it okay. and she cackles with laughter hysterically in the most uncomfortable moment ever okay. he's just like he's like what's the kind of vehicle and she he says a green Rolls-Royce that's it and she starts dying of laughter I don't and that is never explained
2: what the next thing that happens is that it cuts all.
1: to them to pulling up to that woman's hotel and she's like this is the only hotel that has green rolls royces and then he goes upstairs and he finds him but there is no reason why she was dying of laughter about it and i rewound it so many times trying to figure out what was so funny and it it has to be something that was cut from the scene it just has to be
0: i mean yeah i don't even i don't even remember that happening dude
1: I, this is where we get a Joe Rogan moment where this we can pathetic. pull up the movie so we can all yeah. listen to it.
0: Our engineer um, is me in post about six hours from now. So yeah. pull, I can't, that pull that so shit up, Here's the clip. Oh, wow, that was really yeah. enjoyable. Uh, um,
1: crazy how she laughed like that, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know how I missed this scene, but now it's forever <laughs> implanted in my mind. She just goes, <laughs> <laughs> um right. so I'm really upset um,
1: that no one knows what I'm talking about
0: tough uh, crowd we're gonna need a we're we're gonna need a third host I'll be here every night this week um so he uh, then meets up with the buyer of the bullet Scaramanga's girlfriend who's played by uh, the actress Maude Adams what is interesting to note about her is that um like many actors JW and um this woman and all sorts of people uh she's in multiple James Bond movies she's actually the title character in Octopussy right she's also in view to a kill. So it's like, that's just goes to show you that these movies weren't, weren't made like movies are these days where they're thinking about the sequel. They're thinking about what the last movie did to this one. This is truly the King franchise of movies that do not give a fuck. Everything and nothing is canon. They're just like, whatever you want to say about James Bond goes this time, next time. Maybe not. Um, in this case, uh, this woman is used multiple times as a, as a bond girl. Um, Long story short, uh, she uh, plays Scaramanga's girlfriend in this one. She tests as uh, well. Yeah, she, yeah, <laughs> yes, this was her screen test. Um, so, um, the buyer of the bullets is Scaramanga's girlfriend. And once again, we have James Bond walking into a woman's bathroom, basically, completely uninvited. This time... She's uh, this Good is time. the girlfriend of the world's most dangerous killer right. that he is tracking. Right. He walks into her hotel room... Uh, she is completely nude in the shower. Yeah. Thank God. This is one of the th- maybe three moments in the movie I thought made sense. Okay. Thank God. She's like, what the fuck yeah, are you she, doing here? She exits in here? the shower with a gun. Oh, yeah. You're wrong. <laughs> She opens the shower door and is holding a gun. Yeah. And James goes, hmm, what do you always shower with a gun? Yeah. Uh, how about, do you always walk into <laughs> women's fucking bathrooms, yeah. you old yeah. <laughs> leather-skinned bitch what are you doing like i don't i just don't understand like where james bond he has no sense of personal boundary like the dude is a fucking menace He is
1: not phased by this gun at all he has such a contempt for all women in this movie oh yeah he's like he's like oh cute gun that you're pointing directly at my chest as he proceeds to then slap the shit out of her
0: um so then he He slaps the the shit i mean he beats the shit out of (laughs) her now here comes my favorite detail dan in this whole movie, and I know you missed it because this is something I had to rewatch twice to understand. All right, I'm excited. This is fucked. <laughs> okay. So he's talking to her about Scaramanga um, after he's done ruthlessly beating <laughs> yeah. her.
1: Yeah. Um, and 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 he's like, "Why do you tell me that?" And she's like, "I didn't want you to twist my arm again."
0: <laughs> yeah. She's like, "I literally, I'm tired of you beating me." What do you mean? Why did you yeah. tell me the information <laughs> that you're torturing they're, me they're for? Just
1: casually discussing. He just
0: ravaged her. I mean, he starts slapping her full on in the face and twisting her arms. I mean, it's like bully shit. Honestly, I don't and mean, it is like
1: filmed way more aggressively and oh, yeah. up, like an action scene than the it previous was, action. It scene. was
0: closer to like the movie Irreversible <laughs> than <laughs> than it saying. was to uh, Die Another Day. Like, the first
1: um, action scene was like watching like fucking Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, and, and now we're in like a sad scene, snuff yeah. film with yeah, uh, it was, uh, little like people.
0: So, he smacks her around a bunch. Here comes, honestly, some of my favorite stuff in the movie. Bond asks her how he will recognize Scaramanga, and she responds, tall, slim, and dark. To which Bond says, so is my aunt. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, he did say that. I caught that.
0: I um, I don't know how to read that line, really. <laughs> uh, I don't know if James Bond is uh, part of a mixed-race family. or. <laughs>
1: he said it to make... He was trying to make the point that like, that no, like I'm going to need more details than that.
0: You, oh, you but, mean like that he has three nipples, was born <laughs> right, in a circus. Right. No, you mean <laughs> the other 1000 <laughs> details you already yeah, know about you him. You
1: know far more about him than You <laughs> could tell her
0: about Scaramanga. <laughs> yeah. She's his towel man. Yeah. I mean like so what's my aunt? So is my Oh, 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 oh god. I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate it, yeah. but it's so good. Um, we, we got to move along. We're only at like the 10-minute mark. I, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yes, we are 10 minutes in. No. Um, so uh, uh, she, he says, so is my aunt, and then slaps her again. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I thought, I mean, she's already giving him the information, right? Yeah. She's describing him now. She refuses to describe him. She starts describing him, and he continues to hit her, so, which is just awesome.
1: Did you ever see a video of Sean Connery just shitting on the Roger Moore uh, no movies about no. how much he hates Roger Moore's really? performance of him and the, reason, the reason he always gives is because of the forced weird comedic moments and when watching this I was like I bet this moment of him giving her an extra slap in the face is what Sean Connery I mean. sees as a comedic moment that they're forcing oh
0: my god alright so um, Scaramanga uh, the next scene involves Scaramanga coming home from the bottoms up club which I think is right. his, his hangout in whatever Asian country we're in Um, now here comes something deeply upsetting. Except, except this Asian country is
1: supposed to be Portugal. Did you catch that? No, I thought
0: we were in Macau.
1: He talks about how they're going to Portugal and then they, yeah, so they go to, when he goes, oh wait, no, sorry, we're past that point already. The part where he sees that woman for the first time. Yeah. They're supposed to go to Portugal, but it looks like a, like, Vietnamese street fair.
0: Yes. And he calls everyone, Senor what yeah i missed that that is insane i don't before they go into that casino it's supposed to be portugal but they're (sighs) all asian whatever country they're in scaramanga comes home from the bottoms up club his hangout where james has been directed to follow him um and then we have a scene again that may have flown by you um on a first watch basis but he comes home uh to his girlfriend she is waiting for him she is nude in bed full makeup full hair um he, uh, comes in, uh, and he then takes out his golden gun. Oh, you're gun. talking about... Yeah, when he puts it
1: directly into he her mouth. puts it into her
0: mouth and rubs <laughs> it like all in over a, her a, body.
1: In, in, not in a threatening it's, way at uh, all. It's very sensual. Yeah,
0: it's sensual. It's just upsetting, yeah. I think. That,
1: that and is and the... she is, like, paralyzed with fucking, just, like, trauma. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, this leads to my favorite line in, in the movie. And, uh this is uh actually happens right before this scene um and this is something you would miss really easily but james is talking to scaramanga uh to scaramanga's girlfriend um and she's kind of describing him and that uh she then says that scaramanga only likes to make love yeah. before People he kills him. yeah like a bullfighter yeah
1: which like is it? What does that mean? Dude, bullfight? Do bullfighters?
0: Uh, I was gonna look it up. I I would assume that uh, bullfighter like the way that she said it that they have all this passion before a fight. Yeah, it sounded like it meant that they fuck bulls. And if they were no, it did in the way they said it. But if a um if if if, if you're fucking all the time, you can't focus on your bullfighting. Okay. So you only fuck so right like, before they, your they fight edge. Yeah, yeah. They live on the edge. <laughs> That's bullfighting, baby. Um. So <laughs> so uh, yeah. Welcome to um, Edgecast. Upsetting detail number 3,000 in this movie is that Scaramanga, the third-nippled murderer with a um, midget butler, also can only have sex before he kills people. Right. Which... I think is pretty infrequent from watching him throughout the movie. He kills one person every great while. So she is getting what out of right. this relationship? She's not getting money because, as we've already determined, once Scaramanga dies, all yeah. of his money is going to go <laughs> to Knickknack. <laughs> like, yeah. Because Knickknack states several times <laughs> in the movie, and directly to James Bond, yeah. if you kill my boss, I get all of his money. Yeah. And James is like, word. Like... He's like I was gonna. He's like, that is the plan. Yeah. Um, cool. All right,
1: so um... I, I was curious in this moment when Scaramanga goes in to put the gun gently into Goodnight's mouth. right Like what is their relationship to each other? So, so the note that I wrote is, I turned away for one minute, came back, and uh, Salammanko was putting his gun in Goodnight's mouth. Is Goodnight betraying Bond because of his shitty treatment of her? <laughs> Feminist Bond movie question mark. I'm... <laughs>
0: I mean, James Bond is treating everyone like shit in this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, foreigners, uh, women—getting like, a
1: taste of his own medicine. She's like, "I'm gonna fucking suck that gun." I
0: don't think he cares. <laughs> I don't think Scaramanga or Bond cares. I think they just want to uh, objectify women at every stand. But uh, then,
1: but then after that scene, Scarimanga and Tattoo or whatever the the midget is—the dwarf—that <laughs> was, was a hard M.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to, all, to all you little folk out there.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Fuck off. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so Scaramacca and, uh, the plane boy, um, they find James after that, so it seems that that scene led to Goodnight telling Scaramacca where James is.
0: Uh, so, okay, following all of this, Bond is taken to a secret base, which, I could talk about this for hours, but, um, it's inside of a sunken ship, uh, that is half turned over in the ocean. Uh, this is where MI6 is meeting. The inside of the ship, it's a fantastic practical set. It is a fully sideways ship. All of the offices are sideways. The problem is that everything is in pristine condition. There is no damage whatsoever from this ship falling over. Right. There are literally chairs and tables glued to the ground, even though it's sideways. Everything is still sitting exactly yeah, where it needs yeah. to be. Um, it's really fucking cool. So that, it is really cool, and it belongs in a better movie, like a certain, <laughs> yeah. certain element. Like, if again, if I were to make this movie, I'd have Scaramanga be the head of the energy company, and I'd have his lair be inside of the ship instead of James. But why does MI6 need to do their business, their government organization, in a sunken they, ship? They tried to explain
1: They tried to explain it in terms of like some sort of geopolitical conflict. Yeah, Where but it, was I, like, it didn't it, work. Cause... And it was basically, like, the crux of it was, like, that they can avoid taxes by being Yes, up. right! What was
0: that? Oh, my God. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're getting a killer break for uh, doing our work in this molded, sunken battleship. Uh, we're all dying of it's asbestos like, poisoning. It's like,
1: it really seems like the, the writer of the first draft of this was yeah. like, I'm going to really revitalize this Bond series and put a lot of social commentary in here. And, like, that guy yeah. cut to 20 years later is like on the beach, bearded, like, shaking, like, heroin addicted, just, like, they fuck it. I wrote that shit. I was gonna fucking change society, He I thought man. that
0: they were gonna make a revision. He was they like went straight
1: to, to filming he, it. He was, like, trying to write a sequel to Easy Rider, and yeah. it became The Man with the Golden Gun.
0: Um, so Bond is inside this half-sunken ship, um, which he enters the ship by escaping... He's basically brought there by secret police, who he does not know work for MI6, to get him out of a dicey situation. And when he gets to the sunken ship, he decides to escape his captors. Okay, he jumps off of the ship onto the sunken ship's hull, which is rusted and awful, and he picks a random place to jump on it. And a voice comes over the loudspeaker that goes, hey, James, thanks for coming. (laughs) We've uh, been (laughs) expecting you, and a door opens literally one inch from him.
2: Right, right.
0: Which I mean, I was, you know, we could spend a long time talking about that how, how like, that makes sense. That. Um, so they tell him inside that the energy expert uh, that they're looking for was killed by Scaramanga. Um, what is fascinating about this is that they first tell him, James, forget about the energy case. Right. That's the first line to him. They in the also movie. tell him that forget they wish about that he died. Yeah, they're like, don't work on it anymore. Um, we don't give a shit about the energy. We gotta stop Scaramanga. Turns out, Scaramanga's every bit a part of this energy thing. Right. He's actually the head of it right. in many ways because right. he's developing the weapons. Can so, you
1: catch the moment where they tell James that they would have preferred if James died rather than the other agents Yes,
0: they are like, we'd prefer it was you. Just a thr- and James like, okay. They're like, the sexual harassment lawsuits are crippling <laughs> yeah. our insurance this yeah. year. And honestly, if you say one more thing to Monty Penny, she's gonna sue you, so... <laughs> Um so uh the next move here is that James needs to um sneak into this Chinese gangster's palace/dojo. slash dojo. Uh his name is High Fat. Don't oh, is get me started a super on that thing. Oh, not even close. Oh, so um man. uh to get into High Fat's palace, now High Fat hires Scaramanga to kill people. He right. was for all intents oh, and right, purposes right. he is Scaramanga's boss. Yeah. James Bond. And he's like a
1: real fucking like evil generic like, he's like xenophobicly
0: xenophobically g- Asian, yeah. terror- so like, Asian terror... He's an Asian terror businessman. He's like, man. he's
1: an Asian billionaire. He's here to destroy the world with his money and gasoline.
0: So James, uh, the way he sneaks into High Fats Palace, he chooses, uh, okay, Broad Daylight. Right. Let's start with right. that. Huge, That's sneaks. a great idea. Sneaks into his palace, takes off sneaks. of his clothing, takes off his clothes, and jumps into High Fats Pool. Um, right. He is swimming in High Fats Pool, where he is hitting on a woman right. who is only in the movie for 30 seconds, yeah. whose name is... Chew me. Yeah, yeah, it sure (laughs) is. Uh, I would say, like, lick me would work better. Yeah. I don't know what man is out there chewing his girl. I mean, uh, it was the 70s. They couldn't. Yeah, that's, they didn't know what to do this down This was there. them being subtle. It was a lot hairier down there, so the, it was, you had to chew through it, I think, was the, what they're uh, hinting at here. Um, Uncouth. That was my first good joke of the podcast. Um, <laughs> Uncouth. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, they, um. These do not reflect my own. He sneaks into High Fat's palace. He's swimming in the pool. He is immediately confronted by guards. Yeah. And how does he identify himself as Scaramanga, who he is uh, impersonating? He points to a fake third nipple yeah, that looks as that looks no 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 It is the same prosthetic <laughs> right, right? that it's they used. Browner. This is one of those things where they didn't think that the audience would think about this, but it is 100% the same exact nipple yeah. that Scaramanga has on his body. Which there's no way that it's they. That, it's I that mean, military grade technology, and, it, you know? and, and just to take it one step further. It's in the same fucking place. Right. How, if they've never seen a picture of this man, <laughs> do they know where to put the... Because thir- of... Why uh, are because, they making me wonder this? Yeah,
1: because of Scaramanga's girlfriend that James slapped the shit out. She gave him the juicy <sighs> beats She was like, look. She was like,
0: go to your belly button and walk your fingers up 16 <laughs> steps. <laughs> so, um, he gets caught and, um, uh, this, uh, high fat character, um... Looks at Scaramanga, a.k.a. James Bond, who's impersonating him. He's like, he oh, says look at him, that
1: nipple. You must be Scaramanga.
0: <laughs> he says, oh, Mr. Scaramanga, I didn't know. You should have said something. Yeah. <sighs> then he says to James Bond, there are cults where it is a sign of invulnerability and great sexual prowess. Prowess, yeah. The third nipple. Yeah. He does say that. Um, and I thought that that was... Upsetting mostly because I would just say uh, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I wish I didn't know that. Um, so turns out that Scaramanga. I
1: appreciate that. I appreciate his uh, effort to make the guy feel you know at home and you he, know. here is a, in his own skin.
0: Here is uh, one of several moments in the movie that are so inane that it is an incredibly human being with a fucking brain. wrote this movie, um, turns out Scaramanga is at. High's dojo. Um, All this time that James Bond is swimming in the pool and has the fake nipple, Scaramanga's actually there. And must have said to High Fat, listen, this guy's going to come and impersonate me. Don't say that you know it's him, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I guess this is an aid of Scaramanga, who's obviously a sportsman. That's what Knickknack's Danger Room, obviously, is meant to convey poorly, is that... Uh, Scaramanga's kind of like the Predator. He's into, like the, like, the most dangerous game. He's into the hunt. Yeah. Um, which is fine for
1: him, but for this high-fat person, why would he yeah. buy into this? Join us next week as we discuss The Hunted with Tenecio <laughs> del Toro. I love that The movie. sequel um, to the man. Men- <laughs> high-fat
0: <laughs> That is the direct <laughs> sequel. Um, that and Fantasy Island. High-fat says to, um, Scaramanga, I wish to live a long life, and I do not wish for Mr. Bond to shorten it then why the fuck didn't you just (laughs) kill him? You're in your dojo, which is surrounded by a hundred armed guards. You just had him naked without a pistol in front of you. Hitting on your daughter Chumi, okay? Um, Brazenly going to your dojo, disrespecting it at all levels (laughs) with your fake fucking nipple shit and your stupid goddamn hair, and your dumb face, right. and you go there, and why does this man not kill? Why would High Fat, who... It's not like High Fat is being paid by Scaramanga. Right. It is the other way, the around. way around. Why does High Fat not just he, kill this he, man? As he lets him know repeatedly
1: that he is his boss. Oh
0: my god, why are there so many people in this movie? <laughs> I mean, Nack, dude, Nick knack Scaramanga's girl, Scaramanga... And high fat all could have been the same character. High fats, all, all could only have been scary. The purpose in
1: it. this movie is to have like a disposable foreign character. they were like, God, he's we need to movie, have one Asian person. Like, it becomes for a moment, it seems like the movie is going to be all about high fat, and high fat's actually the real antagonist. Oh like, yeah, he's really only in the movie for like fourteen oh, minutes for nothing. <laughs> he's only yeah, there nothing. to be like to be some exotic Asian character
0: to be murdered. It's so excessive. You know what it's like. It's like when you go to lie to someone, and instead of saying, oh, I just didn't have time, you make up something super elaborate. Right, that right. is what this whole fucking movie <laughs> is. Instead of just telling you the easiest yeah. things and taking you yeah. on this very easy yeah. ride, they infest this movie with so many extraneous everything, and it is exhausting. Yeah, they're like, how can we convey to them that coal isn't sustainable?
1: So, oh, They're like, well, God. you know, they won't really get in unless we kill a couple minorities.
0: So James leaves the dojo. This is when he meets up with Goodnight. Um, <laughs> now, Goodnight says to him, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So ugh, Goodnight says some shit to him. They're standing outside a hotel. James Bond says, I'll keep the wine chill. Or she says to him, you know, they're planning on doing some late night work. She's not fully about having sex with him. He's kind of got to prove it to her. Right. So um, she says, okay, come over later. I'll keep the wine chilled. And he goes, and and imagine, okay, if you're going to say something disgusting to a girl, right? right if you're going to say some gross, obvious pickup line, you want to smile. You don't want to make direct eye icon- I mean, he is looking her straight <laughs> right. in right. the fucking right. eyes. She goes, I'll keep the wine chilled. He looks at her. He doesn't even smile. And he goes, and everything else warm, I trust. Right. And, and there is dead I, silence I, I, after I, I, he says it. No one, that. React. Dude, no that, one reacted No one reacts.
1: The face she makes there is the best performance. She the best is like, place. excuse <laughs> what? Like, like, I can't believe what?
0: I'm to what? Fuck you. Yeah, I mean, and everything like, else wore my trust right over her
1: face. She's like, you are just a foul creature. It's like it's the only moment of self awareness in the in entire my, series. In my
0: opinion, a true lover, a true Casanova, that's somebody who doesn't put the cards down. Right, that's right. somebody who's like. I don't know. Will we fuck? You may find out. We'll never know. James Bond is like, I want your pussy warm, okay? I need it moist. I'm coming in hard. I'm going to open the door. I'm erect. 12 o'clock midnight, okay? I don't want you to say a fucking word to me. I'm busy. I have other women to fuck. In yeah. the case of this movie, he literally fucks another woman in front of her. In front of her. Okay. Okay. While she's hitting the... Uh, he is a terrible person. Uh, this everything else warm, my trusting. This is like something that you would see on the news. They would say, this is what Donald Trump said right. to one of his aides right, in right. 2008. Right. Uh, she <laughs> said, okay, sir, uh, Air Force One is ready. I'll, I'm going to keep the wine cold on the plane. And he goes, and you're pussy hot. Yeah. I mean, it's disgusting. This disgusting yeah, behavior. He, I hate
1: this. He is in that moment. I hate it. He crossed the way into being the most despicable character yeah he's awful he's he's a zero for I, I me i had um, that i was looking and like i wrote in my phone you would not have put money on this being the movie they're still making in 2020
0: yeah oh my god yeah the fact that we're still doing this to ourselves is fascinating um so oh god so bond bon then um after oh god uh after this he returns to fat's dojo which has a sculpture garden that's full of fake warriors and all right. sorts of crazy shit. Right. Then James Bond makes a super anach- an- anachronistic joke. He goes, oh, it's Grizzly Land," which I guess yeah. is a Disneyland right, joke. Right, uh, But who the fuck would yeah. say that? And um, he's like, a- get it, they're and monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he's then attacked by a sumo wrestler. Right. Um, who, James Bond being, you know, such a manly man. Yeah, being such a manly man, James Bond... Uh, his reaction is, is to, to grab their his ass and squeeze it, which, yeah. by the way, zoomed in camera, you can see his hand crushing <laughs> yeah, this man's bo- buttocks. Boca. It is disturbing. <laughs> I mean, he is going in, right? And <laughs> the music is
1: portraying this as if it's an action scene.
0: Oh, the music is like, this is basically like, like the, the Born identity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is Inception. Uh, but he's like twisting. He's basically doing an Indian burn on the man's ass cheeks. Then he takes the knot that makes up the yeah. sumo underwear yeah. and twists it until this yeah. man screams. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so th- again, I want to remind you, this is the James Bond movie that has one kill in it. Yeah, right. He is squeezing <laughs> butt cheeks. He is twisting men's underwear. That is like, that. if he was like a Pokemon card, his attack would be like underwear twist. Right. He has like right. a very few moves in this right. movie, all of which are sexually based and disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Fat, oh, God, um, Mr. Fat, it's again, instead of killing Bond, again, and again, instead of killing Bond, he captures him, right? right? He's captured. nick knack I think, is the one who captures him, knocks James Bond out. Right. Once again, okay. on the property of this private dojo, in America, you could have killed James Bond for this, legally. Yeah. If James Bond, with a third nipple on, jumped your fence and ran and, and tried to hit on your daughter me, right. you could shoot him point blank. And that is legal in not, America. Not, not in Philadelphia. This is a third world country where this man refuses to kill James Bond. Instead, he says, send him to school. Right. And then James right. Bond wakes he goes, up. Wakes up. He's being massaged by three Asian women. It's like
1: that moment in the first Batman movie where he's, in like, where he's in the fucking hole.
0: I mean, yeah, this is campiness just defined. I mean, the man could have been should have been killed by this is you're saying this movie's
1: not as good as batman begins that's what you're trying to
0: tell me i would say the two are they have a lot of similarities mostly uh in the like keeping it warm references i think (laughs) there's a part where katie holmes and batman begins was like um was like it's not who i am that defines me but it's how warm my shit is when you show up that really defines me as a person so it's the same movie I think it was written by the same guy. Which, by the way, here is another. This is actually perfect segue to a fantastic exactly. fact about this movie. Um, the director of this movie... Let me check my VHS tape. Which I'm going to shake so you guys know I'm actually holding one. That's real VHS, yeah. baby. Um, uh The director of this Ooh, movie... Over vinyl revolution. Guy Hamilton... Yeah. ...was offered to direct Christopher Reeve Superman and turned it down. And then was offered to direct Batman and turned it down. Um... Which Batman would that have been? Uh, I think that was the 80s Batman, the Tim Burton Batman that they were referring to. um, Because he became famous from this movie and then directed several more Bond films. Um, And after that, they were trying to get him a new franchise. Um, They tried Superman and Batman. If only we could have had a Batman or Superman movie directed with the uh, societal grace that this movie was conducted with. Um,
1: That would be great. I feel like... There's room for scenes like the intro scene to this movie in the Tim Burton Batman movie, and
0: and not much else. Um, all right, so uh, Bond um, then watches this dojo school. They're fighting, and then Bond breaks out of the school uh, after watching these guys all do karate. This then takes us into one of the worst, most boring chases and I imaginable. Think should, I
1: think we should take a break here before we get into this. Uh, yeah, we're going to take think this as a prime break
0: spot. We're going to take a prime break spot here, um, and uh, then lead up with uh, some of the craziest action uh, we've ever seen. This is the part of the movie, I guess, you could consider to be exciting. Um, This is a boat chase. It it was certainly the most offensive. (laughs) (laughs) This is where things get truly offensive. Um, So, James Bond... um, Starts this race, uh, I guess you could say a race. He gets on like a little boat. He's being chased by all these other boats. On one of
1: these little rivers that goes through like a street town.
0: Yes, it's through like a street town with like all these markets. That's like a James Bond classic, crashing through the marketplace type of situation. Um, So he's doing that. He's crashing uh, through all of these different boats and and markets. And um, uh, during this chase, a child jumps on his boat. A A child doesn't jump on the boat.
1: The child comes up from yeah. the water. He
0: swims up with a pla- with a wood elephant in his hand um, and he says to James, uh, would you buy for 100 baht? Uh, James haggles with him until James offers 20,000 baht yeah. Um, to make the boat move faster. You skipped the part where he tried to bribe him
1: into buying the elephant by telling him how handsome he was. Yeah. Oh, he was like, he was like, like, you're very handsome. He was like, you're oh, 500 butt. You're very handsome. And yeah. like, James like smirks a little bit. And there's James a weird like, moment between the
0: two of them. James is like, people tell me that everywhere because yeah. I'm always in the third yeah. world country. <laughs> um, so, uh. Yeah. James then says, "I'll give you twenty thousand baht to make this boat move faster." The kid does. The kid agrees. Okay. Uh, He turns the gov off the boat, and the boat kicks into high gear and goes flying. Right. Uh, This is the part where James then throws that child (laughs) off the moving motorboat at full speed into the water. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is somebody that he says, so as to avoid paying his debts. Yes. A dude
1: dude whose entire existence is backed by the currency of the British (laughs) Royal Army. Like the Queen's gold is backing this mission. He has
0: endless funds. Yeah, twenty thousand bot. I, I this watched... dude has an invisible car. I watch a show. Called... a few decades later. I watch a show called Ninety Day Fiance, which uh, we'll probably talk about as much as Star Trek went, uh, in this podcast. But um, what? Uh, there's a guy who's in that show trying to marry a foreigner from the same country, and they demand five thousand or five hundred thousand bot from him, which turns out to be about in this day and age five thousand dollars. Now, okay. if you were to look at that. Uh, Twenty thousand bot that he could have paid to back make then. the boat go faster back then. What is like been Five dollars. Like yeah, <laughs> it's like five bucks. Um, so uh, he. This is the part of the movie, you know, after he's beaten up women and yeah. and and discriminated against little people, where James throws a child uh, F- off the after
1: boat. they exploiting him and lying. Yes, first, him. he
0: is exploited. Yeah. classic Eastern Western exploitation. Right. He's um, like, I will pay you hard currency
1: to help me. Yes. and the
0: kid saves he his shit. He saves his life.
1: And his response is to throw the poor foreign child
0: <laughs> directly off of a moving speedboat. Um, this is the time where we meet the most offensive character <laughs> I've ever seen. I, I, I mean, this
1: seventies John
0: Goodman. Th- yeah, kid? this and and um and Jar Jar Banks and uh, things and and like the racist like crows from A uh, Song of the South. This is like most offensive movie characters. You're gonna,
1: you're going to compare this, this this man who refers to all Asian people as pointy heads... Pointy
0: heads, yeah. ...to Jar Jar Binks. Yes, uh, yes. J.W. Pepper uh, is the character's name. He is uh, literally indiscernible from Jar Jar Binks, um, especially in the place of this movie. He is a fat uh, tourist, American policeman. He's a policeman from Louisiana, I guess, uh, who is on vacation um in this foreign country and just happens to see this chase unfolding now this guy is fat disgusting he's got literally every part of both of his lips full of tobacco right okay it's not right, just the right. bottom lip it's the entire he looks yeah. like a. he looks like it's, frankenstein because he's so much in it's
1: about. like john goodman in babe or the babe where he's Babe Ruth. We're really trying
0: to make the John Goodman thing happen. It's, right? it's it already happening. He, <laughs> he, he made it happen. I didn't have to make it happen. Um, Did you see that guy? Uh, I, do, I don't. I don't get the reference, but I do know he's that like John, uh, John Goodman, Goodman is a fat slob. Like, he's also like right? John Goodman Barton Fink. He's like John Goodman and
1: Roseanne.
0: He's like John Goodman is what you're saying.
1: I mean, he's not like it's less of a Big Lebowski... John Goodwin, more of so this guy's a sloppy a mess. Yeah, John he's like
0: Fred Flintstone, and he sees this uh, chase going down, um, and uh, he points at the boat that is uh, that James Bond is being chased at. Uh, is being piloted by an Asian guy, and he says, "quote You goddamn brown water hog." <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, first line out of his mouth. And uh, then Uh, there's one line he says, I'm hoping you picked out too. uh, Then he's watching the fight unfold um, and the Asian guys are not able to catch up with James. And he says, quote, if you got your little pointy heads out of them pajamas, you wouldn't be late for work.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's uh, just classic lazy racism. Yeah, yeah. And this is a giant fat man. And probably. this all happens in the Spanish. On for vacation. For like 25 seconds. All oh, yeah. Of these oh, oh, yeah. Um, he then says, you pointy heads has no more idea of traffic control than, than a, a goonie bird. bird. What's a goonie bird? A goonie bird is did, an albatross of the North Pacific. All right. Good. Um, I don't know why uh, traffic control has any relation to goonie birds. Yeah. I don't know if that's a historical thing. Uh, it made me very uncomfortable no matter what it meant. Um so he says "pointy heads" a lot. He's okay now. now, now this is hopefully of,
1: now we're up to my favorite racist line of this entire movie. Uh, not,
0: not yet, but th- I mean, this is like a moment here that just fucking really confused me. JW sees James Bond uh, doing this chase, and uh, he recognizes him. He says, "You're right, that right, secret right. agent right. from Britain." Right, bewildering bewildering lo- and James Bond's like, sure, come with me. This brings up an interesting point um that I actually think is true in some of the James Bond movies, which he's like, is he's like famous. he is famous. Right. And he is also
1: a Secret? I mean, because every time anyone mentions him, they're like, oh, you know, the one with the license to kill. It's like, how the fuck does everybody know? Well, I
0: mean, this is a world in which uh, James Bond knows literally the entire family tree of someone he barely recognizes, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's not... I would not say it's a... Anyway.
1: Pre-Ancestry.com, I'll have you.
0: Unfortunately, this character, J.W. Pepper, uh, this is the second movie he was in. Now, Now, here's the interesting thing about this, because he was in Live and Let Die, um, and what i find disturbing about this is
1: this movie canon
0: you've oh for sure <laughs> oh for <laughs> okay, sure okay. oh for sure it's about as canon as james bond jr one of my favorite cartoons from the 90s i don't even know what that is james bond jr podcast 10 p.m 10 all p.m. right uh james bond jr was a show about james bond's son post-mortem after james bond passes away going to a secret agent school it is a cartoon it was on Nickelodeon. Um, it is bizarre. When? When was this? In the, the early 90s, right when everything you watched was on. It was called James Bond Jr. Um, I still remember the theme song. I will not sing it out loud, but I'd yeah, like to I hear it. If I have Can to. you
1: grab the microcord?
0: Um, <laughs> I'm going to grab the cord. Um, so, this is the second movie with J.W. Pepper, which.
1: What tarnation is this?
0: Which, and yeah, this is. Uh, Dan right now is looking at um, James, James Bond, Bond Jr. Jr. stuff. It seems to be blowing his mind.
1: So, it looks like it's a commercial for it's a cartoon from back in the day that they re-aired oh,
0: i don't know if it's been re-aired but i mean it definitely was on jaws was one of the villains they had all the oh, villains yeah. Yeah, going after that after young james bond um so is this interesting for people me, me looking i think so I... but well i think other people probably have heard of the show and while they're listening to this they're like when are they going to talk about james bond jr <laughs> and, and that moment for us is right now yeah um so uh what's confusing about that is that now we're assuming that this character who is in some capacity in Live and Let Die Right is on vacation in a third world country and just happens to bump into James Pond. Okay, but
1: that would explain why he knows what he is, who he is.
0: Yes, but that doesn't explain why the fuck he would be in the same place as him. I mean, on...
1: you know, it's a small world. Okay, like, small just world. the other day I saw Brian Ebner walking around on South Street hmm. and I was like, man, it's just like fucking I feel like I see him everywhere. It's just like the man with the golden gun. I see a lot of people that look like him too, so
0: Yeah. Um it's- Anyway, shout out Brian Ember. Um, also, uh, you know it's
1: easier to point out white people when you're in a foreign country.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so Bond then returns to his hotel, meets up with Goodnight. Uh, the two have a romantic dinner that leads back to the room where Goodnight finally falls into James's arms and the two begin to kiss. Um, soon, however, Scaramanga's girlfriend Wait, shows up. Wait, no. To him.
1: Oh, sorry. Go on. But we gotta go. We gotta rewind for a second. I don't know. If, uh, okay. You skipped my favorite racist line in the Oh country. my god! How
0: could I have done that to you? Dude, Please. So. Is this from J.W. Pepper? Yeah. Okay. When...
1: Did you notice
0: where an elephant
1: comes up and sticks his trunk in his wallet or in his pockets, And it happens... Yes,
0: an elephant tries to rob J.W. <laughs> Pepper uh, in in In, the in a end moment of, the of scene, like, comedic relief. A baby elephant uh, sticks its... And, and it is a
1: black elephant, which is important because... Ooh, I don't like where this is going. Because J.W. Pepper turns around and says, take... Your cotton picking slaws. Yeah. All okay. Me. Yeah,
0: I saw that too, and and assume that that was like um, less of a racist thing and more of like a something a fat Louis- why it, Louisiana. Why is it going to be a black elephant? That's like a. well I mean, it could they could have hired an albino elephant. That's what they would what have. we in these 2019.
1: Days. We're <laughs> in a modern world. Then. <laughs> these days There's they to everything. These, these days that it.
0: elephant would have been a white, multi-gendered um, liberal <laughs> named Alexandra Ortiz. Yeah. Super about Beto. Um, Beto would have played the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's a white
1: cisgendered male. Um, for now. Um, he would play, so, uh, he would play <laughs> tattoo
0: or knickknack. So Bond uh, returns to the hotel room. Uh, he's making out with Goodnight. Scaramanga's girlfriend arrives. Um, after interrogating her, they make love, but uh, they do so while Goodnight is. Is hiding. So James right. and Goodnight are about to go at it. She yeah. finally is like, "Okay, you're a disgusting pig." And but she I, literally I'll says, "I thought this moment would never thought, happen." And, and he, he's like,
1: "Guess what? It's fucking not." He
0: was like, "In our, I don't have it written down, but he was like, in our profession, it's not about the moment now, but the moment to come." Yeah, right, right. And I that was like, "I line. can't
1: believe they got away with that uh, in 1974."
0: It was disgusting.
1: I was like, "Did they know what coming?" Was? So the
0: two of them start to go at it, and uh, Scaramanga's girlfriend shows up to talk to James. James then. Covers up good night with the sheets. Okay, right. she is a lump in the sheet, in the sheets. Um, <laughs> Scaramanga's girlfriend starts hating on James. James says to her. Uh, yeah, you know, like I'm a secret agent, and that is why uh, I do the pillow trick. Right. I put pillows s- he in my bed. Smashes
1: the fucking her body. Yeah, he to, sp- to prove that it's just to, a pile of pillows.
0: To, to prove that it's a pile of pillows. Uh, he then uh, and just punches good night and punches thigh. a woman in the <laughs> thigh. <laughs> Uh, then, uh, Goodnight creeps into the closet where she is hiding, and, uh, Scaramanga and James make love.
1: That's pretty generous. She doesn't so much creep into the closet. She she gets out, and she's like, don't worry, I'll kill her. Uh, Which is, like, really what they want. Yeah. But James is like, no, I need to hit that first. He's like, how about we try this instead before we do your thing? (laughs) Come over to this broom closet, this closet that's full of... A broom and four suits. And he slams her into it and locks the door. That's the important part. He locks her in there because he knows that she can't be trusted to do her duty and stay in the wardrobe. And so he comes back, which we find out is two hours later after
0: knowing
1: knowing Scalamanca's girlfriend biblically. Yes.
0: And finds... Which we can only imagine was probably Harold. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, James Bond has had sex so many times yeah. his love making at this point is probably 85% anger like 15% shame I mean yeah. the man has no scruples and it's, he's entirely bang- motivated by his relationship to his he's banging father. a girl he does not care about at all in front of a woman he's been trying to bed, and also has no qualms about
1: it. a crucial part of this is where she informs him that she is actually she put this whole mess into play oh, yeah. by mm-hmm. she sent him the God. bullet initially with his name on it. Mental. So, I'm not she, even going to try to follow. So, so, so she, the one who pulled a gun on him from the shower earlier and allowed him to beat the shit out of her because she reluctantly gave Scaramanga's information to him. She reveals that she was the mastermind all along, sent a bullet to his. Secret agent bosses with his number on it, so that he would know to then go try to find the gunmaker
0: oh who no.
1: sells bullets to Scarimanka. Because the gunmaker, would she knew, would end up defying his his customer confidentiality agreement to inform James Bond that she would be picking up these bullets at a casino. Okay. In turn, James Bond then had to chase her into her hotel get a gun pulled on him, beat the shit out of her to reluctantly get her to give information, and then him go on this whole thing where he's almost died multiple times. Oh yeah, And this was her entire plan, and it worked out perfectly. So now she is in bed with James, informs him she wants him to kill Scaramonka because if she stops fucking him, he'll kill her, I think was the general idea of it. Yeah. And this entire conversation is happening while good night is locked in a closet. And we reveal sleeping, standing up. Yes, from
0: this, she had to sleep. She watched the sex. I'm assuming, which
1: means that she's undergone significant abuse. Yeah, if she's comfortable she's enough able with his anxiety, fully
0: rest get, <laughs> and get REM sleep. And she
1: wakes up. She's like, "How long's it been? Five minutes." She's like, "He's
0: like two hours." He's and she's like, like we And she's like, times.
1: "I'm quitting the military." Yeah, she's like,
0: "I quit my job. It's not for me." Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, she had to sit in the closet and take a nap, and that was too much.
1: We learned so much about these characters in this I mean, short.
0: They're terrible at their jobs. Yeah. That's one thing I can tell you. Um, so uh, James then attends a f- absurd... What was it? A sumo match or some some kind of arena yeah. sports thing where Scaramanga's yeah. going to be. Now, this, right, right. this is the only scene of this whole fucking movie that worked. Right. And there is one moment in this scene that I would say is very, very memorable um, where James is uh, watching whatever fucking sports match or whatever, they, you know, whatever they're doing there. Um, and he's with Scaramanga's girlfriend. Um, and he's talking to her, and they're going back and forth. And he looks over to her, and she's got this blank, like, dumb look on her face. And he's, like, telling a joke. And he's like, right, you get it? You get the punchline? He's, like, elbowing her. And he realizes that she has actually been shot. Yeah. Um, and she's sitting next to him with this total dead look on her face. Uh, she isn't slumped at all. She's, yeah. she's in the exact seated position that she would be in regardless, but there's blood there's coming out of the hole. Right there's a bullet hole right in her bosom, which like, by the way, if you get shot in the chest, that is a bit, you're going to go flying. Well, it
1: was right in the heart.
0: And James Bond, who is a trained killer, licensed to kill, has been through it all. He was like, does huh. not notice that she has been shot. Right. I don't want to pick this apart yeah. because of all the dumb shit in this movie, I this is one of the few moments that
1: worked. I was very perplexed. By like, how was she shot? Was it like the silence, or was it because it was so loud? It was so loud.
0: They were waiting. He waited, even though they didn't show him. They were, he waited until some loud slam in like the match happened. happened, right? And then everyone cheered. And when everyone stopped cheering, James turned to her and was like, "Right, huh?" And she's yeah. like, "I'm dead." No, like, I she, I, she I had say. a
1: moment there where I was like, you know what, you know, Act Three might be turning around. Yeah,
0: but... I mean it worked. And again, there is, and a there's bit... that moment where he they reveal that
1: Knickknack is holding a gun on him behind, and I was like, right, that was well. Yeah. Like, I was like this scene this whole scene. Is Again, like going if trim, or he's acting like a movie.
0: If you were to trim 45 minutes and 14 characters out of this movie, <laughs> yeah. it could be great. Because yeah. Scaramanga is a great villain. Yeah. I'll say that straight and, up.
1: And Nick is a great offensive 70s stereotype. Yeah,
0: yeah. Nick is funny and, and and at least like not very offensive. And like it's more the things that other people say about him that are more. It's offensive. a real
1: yeah, it's he like, will he, won't he situation? Yeah, it's like will he
0: fuck him? <laughs> I mean, because what? Why else would you gift your dwarf butler all of your millions? <laughs> right. Uh, you have a girlfriend. And I'm why, not sure what, what we're doing. Why here, would but,
1: you listen to him over the loudspeaker? Fuck with you while you're doing your training sessions, and then continue to employ why him? Why
0: would you let the person who all of your money goes to put you in a torture maze <laughs> in order to do your job effectively? I mean, okay. So it makes no sense. Um, so that was maybe one. You know, maybe one good part. Um, basically, what then? uh happens is that they all come outside um of this event and there's a scuffle of some sort james is going after scaramanga um goodnight is uh trapped in the trunk of scaramanga's car um and uh james realizes okay i gotta chase after scaramanga um he sees a car dealership this is another moment written by a complete ass um he sees a car dealership across the street um inside this car dealership jw pepper is trying out a car first of all it's the middle of the night right right okay (laughs) second of all um second of all jw is a hundred percent on vacation why is he going to look at a car to purchase right okay uh why is he trying to remember that he's
1: just like a rich piece of shit why
0: why is he trying to buy and if you look at the car they're in a brand new sports car right on vacation in a foreign country how do you get that We're we're not really sure (laughs) <laughs> uh, that really doesn't matter. I mean, J.W. most definitely is going home after this trip. He's just like he that all kind of guy. To. He's
1: like, I need to look at shit I can buy. Uh, no, like he was,
0: no, was going to buy it. Right, I'm saying. He's, yeah, like, he was like... Uh, he's like, I got grotesque wealth. I'll, fly, I'll chop her a car home. He did not want to buy a wooden elephant. Right. right. In the movie, the wooden elephant right. was offered It was the him, equivalent of 11 twigs. Which, by the way, his wife said, let's buy the elephant. And he said... Right. Again, one of the most perplexing lines in this movie. He said... We can't we're Democrats. Right. Which right. why is this racist, xenophobic, fat Louisiana policeman a Democrat? Because in nineteen seventy four the Democrats were racist yeah, they xenophobic. Were, I guess so. I mean what I mean,
1: you know. I this, hear this, this, it. This, I this, mean, you right, know, w- Welcome to
0: NPR. Yeah. I mean, today we're talking about Abraham Lincoln being a Republican. And I bet not everybody knew that, you know, but he was. Lyndon Johnson was a piece of shit. Um, he was a Democrat. So, anyway, uh, this chase unfolds. Um, where Welcome to Breitbart News. Where James. <laughs> st- My name is Ben Shapiro. Uh, where James steals. Um, Are you related to Ben Shapiro? Because you I have Orthodox Jews in your family, I right? I sound like Ben Shapiro, right. so maybe. Yeah. When I get really worked up, I think I go. What's into- your feeling on the nuclear family? uh i am not so great with it considering my direct daughter is a pug (laughs) um so jw pepper and james get in this car which james then steals and smashes out of the front of the fucking dealership uh during the chase that they embark on jw pepper says things such as um pull your cars over you little brown pointy heads i'm a police officer right okay that's great a sign of Um, things to come so they, they're chasing him down. They're chasing down Scaramanga. Um, and, uh, God, they make it to some, like, shed. And then Scaramanga escapes in a old, woody, like, a family it's SUV. Ep- it's, epic. it's epic. That has a plane's wings on it. He leaves in the magic it. school bus. Essentially. He leaves in a flying car, but it has plane wings. I mean, it's right. so
1: stupid. I... What was the? Play? It somehow seems more far-fetched than the invisible car 15 movies later because the effects are just so ludicrous. Um, no. Like, oh E.T. looked God. substantially better with that flying bicycle than yeah. this car
0: looked. Yes, yeah. but the difference is this was a this real was a car. This was a Winnebago. This was real. It, yeah. No, it was. That, that is a car with wings on it, for sure. Like, that is a flying car. They built that for this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, it's real. Like, it doesn't fly. No, like it was flying. Like That footage is real. That plane oh. is fucking flying. Now, whether it was at all, maybe it was a glider of some kind. I mean, I don't know what the deal was, but there, there's no special effect. It's not a miniature. That is a car with wings. I can't say anything more about it. You'll just have to look it up. Are you doing like a bit right now? This is not a bit. I know you're searching for a bit. You're looking at me like a <laughs> bit is happening. That is 100% a fucking, they built that thing or it, it was built at the time. And then what happened? What they do with they it? They flew away. Well, they realize what everyone else realized, what I realized while I watch it. Why the fuck would you ever need that? That is retarded. Hard R, <laughs> hard M's, hard R's. This is the podcast. I, folks. I still
1: feel like you're doing a bit.
0: I'm not doing a bit, but we'll we'll talk about uh, um, cars with plane wings on at eleven p.m. at no. We're so with
1: that? you're not saying that that car physically flew there though like it was it, uh, they uh, just used, look, movie, they used saying, movie magic all I'm
0: saying is in the movie no there's no movie magic that fucking car is what flying. do you mean they moved right. the camera in a way we're, we're like going to talk about awesome. this later uh, they didn't
1: have flying cars in 1974 Dan and they didn't look like station did. wagons they did
0: but they didn't work well and it was a station wagon that is true but um look we're gonna we're gonna have to call an expert in on this because it wasn't a do miniature I think it
1: was real apes in 2001 space odyssey was it not How did they get that ape to use the weapon? Because it was really good fucking DP. Oh,
0: right, right, right. Good DP. Um, (laughs) All right. So uh, anyway, um, one of the most ridiculous things about this, the car is flying. Welcome to DP cast. Welcome to DP cast. The car is flying in the air. It's like 1,000 feet in the fucking air. Um, Meanwhile. um, So you were doing a bit, right? No, dude. That car is flying. Look, we can't do any more about the car, but it was flying. Um. Goodnight is in the trunk of the flying car, which exists. And, oh yeah, she is. In and Goodnight does not realize that she's in the trunk yeah, she of the has car. No conception of gravity. Whatsoever. Yeah, she doesn't feel a plane taking off. <laughs> okay, this the car that she's in. She's like probably twenty thousand feet in the air before yeah, she
1: realizes. You she, know, op- I, she gets the trunk open. She's like, oh, look, a road. Oh wait, it's, it's not so the road. Imagine the
0: feeling of the gravitational shift you feel in a fully reinforced airplane mm-hmm. that has seats. And tons of layers of metal. She's in the trunk of a car, taking off in a plane, which is made out of the car. And she does not know this until she is fully airborne. Until she opens the trunk at an angle at which she
1: would have certainly fallen out of the
0: You trunk. also, I don't think, could open the trunk with the wind blowing on it. Yeah. I don't think the pressure would make it so that you could even pop the trunk. I mean, Dan, she's really strong. Oh God! All right, so James then flies to Scaramanga's island, and and thank God this is a, this is about the end of the movie. Um, yeah, I'm so sick of talking about this movie. Bond flies <laughs> to Scaramanga's island. Uh, he, Oh, God, um, Scaramanga is out like with his girlfriend. They're they're sunbathing. Bond. Basically just confronts Scaramanga oh. and, and is like, let's have a duel yeah. to solve right. this, which is, again, absurd. Bond is on government... Okay, listen to this, right? Bond is on a government mission right. to kill this man. Right. So he should not be dueling. I know. Scaramanga is a hitman right. who's being killed, paid to kill James Bond. and He, gives he a, should also not be allowing him a chance. He, he gives him
1: a real, like, supervillain-esque fucking, like, we're at opposite ends of a conference table and I'm going to fucking lay out right. of, like, why I'm a crazy son of a bitch and, like, it all leads to the fact that I want to duel you for pleasure.
0: I mean, what it comes down to with this movie is that is like the predator. He wants a good time. He wants the ultimate hunt. But if that's the case, I mean, he literally could kill James 10 times in this movie. And he puts him... He's just like, if you wanted to hunt, why would you hunt him on your own island? Right. Why not go somewhere you've right. never been? Why would Knickknack need to build a ready room if they just dropped him into fucking right, right. Vietnam in the jungle I mean, and, and killed
1: The implication is that he's pretty sadistic, and it's—is like... it
0: not hard enough to be the world's number one hitman? Do you need to add your own extra challenges to that effort? I mean, maybe it's one of those things where it's like lonely at the top. You know, he has to—it's like you know—and <sighs> I know he's it... like fucking Jordan. And dude, I know but... like, it wouldn't have fit on the VHS S- box, but it should be "Man with the Golden Rifle." You could not make a shot. With that pistol, in the scene where he kills uh, his girlfriend, he shoots her from fucking two hundred feet away. It's incredible. With a pistol, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, he's the best. Two hundred feet. And I have played the game, and the gun is very effective. It's a good gun for sure. Um, So, and we're we're dangerously
1: close to my number one unequivocal favorite moment of this entire movie, and I'm very excited to. So, Nick Nack saves saves Bond
0: from the duel. He, uh, he said, I don't, I, I, and at this point, my eyes were going in two different directions right. both times. This so was I, definitely the most tedious part of the movie. I know that Knick-Knack stops the duel and takes James somewhere uh, else on the island and says to him, if you kill my boss, all of this will be mine. He doesn't stop the duel. They count down. There's a very dramatic moment where knick Knack going, One. Two, because
1: they're counting paces, and they have to get to 20. So, in movie time, we have to listen. To right, oh my god, three. that's where I blanked
0: out. And that's one, why I didn't see the conclusion two, to the duel. Three. Because it was
1: so four. boring. In between each number, camera angles are just really doing a boring ultimatum <sighs> thing. Just bop, blah, blah blah. Seven, eight, nine. You see Bond. You see Skarmaka. You see Nick Neck. You see a camera. <sighs> you see a camera move. Eleven. Twelve. And it goes on. And it gets to 20, and Bond turns around and shoots, and you're like, got him. And he's gone. Scaramanga's fucking gone. What? It was all a fucking ruse. Are you kidding Scaramanga me? Scaramanga ran away
0: to lure Bond into the hell maze. I hate this movie. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Because that, right here you had a moment where now both vil, the villain and the hero, they're on the same ground. Right. Like this is what Scaramanga should be looking right. forward to is and is finally toe to toe with the man who he has a fucking mannequin of and right. is ready And room.
1: when he reveals that he wants to kill him. There were 20 paces where he could have turned around and shot him in the back. 100%. It's not like he has, like... And James, a same with James. Same with like, like James. Well, James and has, like... James is on a... He's on a mission what, to kill. Well, you think you if know? he
0: went back to MI6, they'd be like, well, you violated the rules of the duel.
1: Yeah, they're like, no. you, know,
0: they're like you know, the Rodney King riots. Really if I were issues. James Bond's boss, or if I was high-fat Scaramanga's boss, I would be like, why do you keep putting yourself <laughs> in a situation where you can kill your ultimate enemy <laughs> and then refusing to fucking do it? Yeah, they're like, why did you accept to a duel? So the duel and, and ends... There is, uh, there is no indication
1: throughout this entire series until this moment that there are any Western tropes. No. Like...
0: Yeah, What the duel felt so out of place. They
1: were like, Fistful of Dollars did pretty well last year.
0: Yeah, they're like, mm, a duel sounds good after the hell maze, the boat chase. The, I mean... Because right. then you have a great, simplistic... Bro- and uh, all along, this is what I've been saying, that this movie needed simplicity right. this needed to be him versus scaramanga and instead of that you have again another trip through the maze that knickknack sends him on they have to slowly go through this maze and again it's like three you see all the same traps that you saw on the right, first right. part you see everything all over again it's it could have been a cool cyclical moment if the two were actually hunting each other but you know bond is going to win right. I mean, you know this is movie number 13 out of 1,000. There's no fucking tension. Right. No, nothing's on the line, right. except for the energy crisis, which everyone in this movie has forgotten about. Right, right. Um, so before he goes on the helmet,
1: he runs into Knick-Knack. Yeah. And Knick-Knack does his whole little, like, I get,
0: I get all of yeah, this. He's like, I get everything. This all becomes me if you kill him. Because, because if, when you hire so, a butler, you're like, I want to hire somebody <laughs> who's literally waiting for me to die, right. putting me in so, situations where I'm going to die.
1: So Knick-Knack says something that gets on Bond's nerves. And Bond turns around and points the gun right in his face. And, and he says, uh, He said, I've never killed a midget before, but there can be a first time. To which, to which Knickknack oh, bats his eyelashes, giggles, and goes oh monsieur
0: <laughs> are you kidding me dude how do I watch this movie twice and somehow miss that and it's cause there's so much that I mean, was it's my just absolute awful. favorite moment of the whole That's movie beautiful. there is beautiful no movie.
1: rhyme or reason to it at all like yeah. James was being a hundred he was playing it serious yeah. and Nick Knack was like oh hilarious
0: Long story short, guys. Scaramanga reveals his energy plan. Something to do with a laser. Something to do with uh, yeah. He's the, like he's the like Solex. he's collecting he's the sun. The fucking, and blows up a plane. He's with He's taking the technology Absolutely. and like reverse engineering it to make it evil. And blah blah blah. And he
1: blows up Bond's plane, like the way he got here.
0: <sighs> so James destroys Scaramanga's lab. He destroys everything. I'm pretty sure he kills Scaramanga. Yeah. He shoots him yeah, or... so there's
1: a very like North by Northwest esque chasing where James Bond's way of full so so Knack is doing his jigsaw thing, yeah. be, being like not in that room yeah. Yeah. like being super. Fu- it's like if you ever played Portal, yeah, and there's the the robot that talks to you the whole time, just, just harassing right. yeah. you, and that's what knack's doing. As so James is just like, okay, well there's a camera there, there's a camera there, and there's a camera there. But what I'm standing on is the equivalent of a movie set. I'll just climb under the. I'll climb under the set. So this is James Bond's genius get out of get out of jail free card. Instead of following the path that Nick Nack set up for him, he climbs over the movie set in like a very like Truman Show moment where he realizes that like this. this is all a set. He climbs down under like the gears and shit, and then he drops his gun. James drops his gun while hanging suspended under the set while. Knick-Knack's getting really upset. There's a moment where Nicknack's like switching from camera to camera trying to find James. Yeah. And they, they keep cutting him and he's going, bah, bah, just slamming the button for the cameras because he's so infuriated he can't find him. <laughs> and then James gets distracted by Nicknack like yelping into the microphone and drops his gun down into an abyss. And then it cuts away to Scaramanga, who's then walking around and he's back in that room where there's the cutout of John. Uh, John Wayne, and there's the animatronic James Bond. Mm -hmm. And you're watching, and you're watching him walk around, creep around, and he turns away, and it becomes revealed that the animatronic James James Bond Bond. is actually James Bond. Who who turns around
0: like... was he wearing the tux? Yes, and Uh, here uh,
1: here is the biggest conceit of the entire movie. He turns around, pretending, like, motioning like a robot. So he basically does the robot, shoots Scaramanga... Right in the chest. Mm. He dies, but we already watched James drop his gun into an abyss,
0: which means
1: the gun that he used is, is the, the gun that the animatronic figure had the whole time, meaning they f- outfitted it with yeah, a the, genuine... Uh, well,
0: Knickknack, of course, put real guns right. into all the animatronic And if
1: you hands. look at it, it's it's the, a, it's it's the Wal- same Walter gun. BBK. It's Yeah, it's the PPK. Pathetic. So Scarimago <laughs> <so laughs> <laughs> bought that gun. Just to be... Which... For the record, that's an expensive gun. Yeah. Like, to go buy that gun right well, now will cost you know, to $800 spare, in when 2020. You're, when you're
0: making a million dollars a kill, you spare no expense, I right. guess. Right, right. Even though you're buying gold bullets, which take a huge portion right. out of your uh, payment right. for a kill. Um, so, anyway, Knickknack uh, see So, that's where the movie should end. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but they escape, and... The movie ends with basically James and uh, Goodnight are making out on a boat. We have this third act, like, alien third act reveal where, like, the bad guy's still alive. But it's Knick-Knack. Knick-Knack's on the fucking boat. Um, Knick-Knack comes out of the ceiling. Knick-Knack comes out of the ceiling. Yeah, I have that, <laughs> I have that written down. While, while they're having sex. Yes, while, again, while they're having sex. Um, James Bond then throws Knick-Knack <laughs> into a suitcase um, and takes him... Uh, above deck wait, wait, when he, he comes he back down
1: where Nick Knack escapes and where James Bond searches for him is oh under, my god yeah <laughs> is uh. like under a couch with like a hockey stick where like it's like he had to be there
0: like <laughs> well Nick Knack first of all he goes under that bed and there's no physical way he could get out of that situation. Right. They don't cut the camera really. James runs over and starts poking him with a hockey stick, and then Knickknack runs out of the bathroom.
1: Yeah, it's like right. a
0: fucking vaudeville act.
1: It's ridiculous. <laughs> he starts looking in places that no human, dog, no, or anything yeah, could I fit know. under, like it's, under. It's like on like checking, in, he might as well right. check in his fucking pocket. Right, just like be like, remember how small he is? He might be in in the. I got nothing. So knick knack is, is that? No, you got to fill out my jokes. We're I, gonna don't, I, yes, I, yeah. I don't
0: know. I, it's not my. If job I'm to searching fill for your a punchline. Line, you need to. Right. Next episode punchline from today. Um, he did it in <laughs> Gaza strip. He did it in Israel reference. Um, so uh, he throws knick knack in a suitcase. Um, takes him abo- uh, um, above. What do they call it? Above deck and. Uh, uh, Good night is basically like, oh, did you kill him? You didn't need to kill him. And James is like, <laughs> I don't know, did I? Yeah. And then they cut to the boat where Knickknack is tied to the top of the mast, fucking eighty feet in the air. Um, and that's the final shot of the movie. I don't is remember the that. I <laughs> sh- checked out at that point. Final shot of the movie is a little person tied with rope to the mast of a ship, what sailing off into the distance. The end.
1: So he didn't kill him.
0: He didn't. He spared him. A happy ending. I mean, it yeah. uh, depends how long he's going to be in that wicker basket. But, <laughs> no. And the other thing is, uh, James, when he comes back in the room, he looks exactly the same. It's two seconds later. He's completely quaffed. She's like, what did you do? He's like, oh, I don't know. Nothing. Um, meanwhile, I'm picturing James had to scale a 50-foot <laughs> ship mass with a little person slung over his shoulder and stuff him in a wicker basket and... Nick knack who has now escaped from every situation he's been in throughout the movie somehow not going to escape right. being inside of a, right. a wicker basket <laughs> right. um and the movie ends uh with a disabled small person who probably led a very difficult life being strapped to the front of a ship sailing off right. into probably a hurricane
1: and that's where wicker man begins
0: and that is where the movie wicker man begins all right uh ladies and gentlemen that was the man with the golden gun up we're gonna gun. do uh ratings yeah. here um Uh, I'm going to do two different sets of ratings for this uh, on a scale from one golden gun to 10
1: golden guns on a scale
0: from one to 10 golden guns as a James Bond movie, I would give this probably a two out of 10. Um, and as a real film compared, uh, with everything I've ever seen, I would give it around a one out of 10. So, but, uh, Look, if you uh, prefer your movie scales to be, uh, you know, is this so bad that it's good? Then yes, I would 100% think, recommend this movie. So giving, so we should
1: probably start with a baseline for our opinions of movies. For you, what's an example of a movie that's so bad it's good? This. This? Okay, because I think this is the worst.
0: You don't like this no, as I, a bad if movie. If I
1: wanted to watch a bad movie, so I would. There
0: are bad movies where you won't laugh like, you know, there's like, there's where like, there's no racism. It's like, to me, when, when just I think like,
1: a bad movie that's so bad it's good, it's like Killer Clowns from Outer Space.
0: No, but the the problem with that is that that is meant to be that. This is a movie that was meant to be one thing. Yeah, that was meant to be one thing and is another. And I appreciate movies that uh, started as uh, what seemed like a good idea and in actuality are an offensive car wreck. And I think that this falls into that. I do love movies like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but that is not a movie that started as let's make something everyone is going to love and take their families okay. to this did. And then had the line, uh, you know, get away from me, you Brown point. You head water hog. <laughs> so, so, so what
1: would you call, are there any, so in the scale of James Bond movies, what would you call a 10 out of 10 James Bond movie?
0: Uh, I think there have only been, in my opinion, two or three it's James Bond movies seen. that can even get past a five or a six. Okay. One of those is golden Okay. Um, because it's a personal story and I think it's great. Okay. One of those is Casino Royale because it is the first Bond book. I think it was a great adaptation. Uh, it had a lot of good actors playing roles that we had seen a million times. I thought Daniel Craig was compelling. Um, and I actually think that if I were to be pressed up against it, I would say the best James Bond film is Skyfall because okay. it is the most personal story for him. You learn about his parents. You learn about his family. You see his family home where he grew up there's no other james bond movie that tries to put any continuity in at that level uh, i did not like him particularly daniel craig i think gets more bland every time he's bond he looks less interested every single time but uh i think skyfall and casino royale and GoldenEye kind of the only three bond movies that i think you could watch and say that was a good movie right good bond so, yeah movie, I mean, ignore, ignoring sure.
1: ignoring the real world movie but like if the scale of Bond, like something has to the best Bond movie has to be a ten and the worst I mean, has to be yeah, a one. This so. is
0: this is the worst. I would say Casino Royale is probably a ten. You think Golden this is, is probably a nine. You this think this is, is not
1: worse than Die Another Day?
0: Um Die Another Day is pretty good. I awful. would say that this is not as bad as Die Another Day because Die Another Day, Die Another Day squandered potential. Right. Whereas this had no yeah, was this, a, had, this was terrible man, but, from the first one second. You know
1: what's an underrated Bond movie? What's that? I think the world is not
0: enough. I love the world is not. Enough. And has don't the, love it like it's not the best movie, but I had that on VHS. Has the best theme song. It's very solid. It's got a great theme. So was that the garbage Guarded? theme yeah. th- theme song? That was great. Um, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, Bond series is for me. So let's get your ratings, Dan. What do you say in terms of all Bond films? All right, so that if, you've seen what for you me, say?
1: if one is for me die another day is just the most intolerable one. I, so I would agree. If one is die another day and 10 is from Russia to, with love. Right. Which is my favorite. Okay. Then I would give this a very comfortable 2.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's it's awful. It's I terrible.
1: multiple Nobody times feel like with genuine anger that this yeah. was the movie you picked and made me not want to do the
0: podcast. Well, here we are and uh, I hope you all enjoyed that. But that's
1: um, it. It was worth, it was worth it for just, sometimes it's humbling to remember how racist our parents truly were. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can watch, like I said, these movies are anachronistic, but you can watch them for that. Yeah. You could watch it and say, this is the kind of piece of shit that my dad would watch with a beer in his hand on a Sunday and not think twice. And, and think be like,
1: those pointy heads are
0: right. Yeah. Because
1: I... my one buddy's brother was in Nam once and told me they all fuck babies.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: Welcome to Vietnam, cast.
0: That's a rough ending. Yeah. Um, anyway, Man with the Golden Gun um you can pick it up uh, at the local library because <laughs> that is probably the only you can place pick
1: it up library. on youtube because it's probably public domain
0: okay folks uh we are now going to shift into our final uh short segment of the podcast this, um, feels long. this
1: feels long uh
0: yes this is a long one um so we're gonna try to wrap this up i don't know in some sort of order but uh um, since I tortured Dan with Man with the Golden Gun, I allowed him to have a quick segment uh, doing one of his, t- his, I would say, infamous uh, top fives. Uh, these are the kind of trash opinions that drew him <laughs> to this podcast and made me want to torture him with a movie like this. Uh, so now it's my turn to hear his opinions and probably seethe uh, the entire time. Um, we are going to do, I believe today, uh, top five, what, Dan? Uh, we're going to do top five Scorsese movies.
1: I, I, I need to make clear that when Dan says that they're trash opinions, what he means is that he himself has oh, no semblance of. of culture.
0: Yeah, I am I am debased, cultureless. I am joyless. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some people enjoy things that I don't. Yeah. Vice versa.
1: You're like uh, when when old heads are just like, well, you know, back in my day, that's when I got to see The Who and yes. The yeah. Who was
0: The Who. And The Who was great.
1: Yeah, and like, anyway. The, anyway. Point, the point being... Anyway, that, like, we
0: both have trash opinions, and now we're going to share there, some there's, of them.
1: There's, there's, a, there's a tendency these days about hot takes.
0: Oh, this is going to get
1: Where, it. you know, I have the unfortunate life of the tens that most of my opinions just happen to be hot takes, and I get mm-hmm. yelled at for them.
0: Me too, and that's why we're here. But... So I'm going to
1: sell Dan on why everything he thought he knew about the most widely... <laughs> consensus having to write
0: <laughs> <laughs> even though everyone already agrees on this we're yeah. going to give you a complete opposite so, opinion so do so you it, want to maybe give me the full five and then we'll talk about it or do I, you want I, to go one at yeah, a time yeah I
1: think we'll go on, I mean I, I, I'm gonna I have a way I'm gonna maybe guide some it. Of these there's low. some ways I want to guide okay. it cause some of them are not going to be so fucking hot cake okay. but this all started because from- of you mentioning in passing that you h- hated gangs in New York.
0: Hates a strong word, but yeah, because I, I can, the word I, can you I can appreciate uh, anything Scorsese has churned out. Um, I would say that gangs of New York is a bit misguided uh, in its production, and we can get to that. But let's yeah. start. So, uh, so what's,
1: wait, well, let's start. What's your favorite
0: Scorsese movie? Hmm. Well, I didn't really think about a list for myself, um, really, because I wanted I, to get yeah, to um, just one, just number one. But the problem is that. I want to say Goodfellas um, because Goodfellas is perfection. Right. Um, you can't make a movie more perfect in terms of acting, directing, scoring, editing. I, I mean, it is it is a 10 on every front. There is not a fault that you could point out in Goodfellas that I could ever agree with. Um, so I would say that that is one of the top ones, but then you kind of have niche ones. Right. I mean, So why is that
1: a problem? You said it's a problem. Is it because you don't like having a generic? Well, the, no. Are you too no, cool well, to a, like Goodfellas?
0: No, the problem is that there are movies that he has made that I think maybe have a stronger cultural impact. I think that, um, you know, maybe when people look back on his career, they'll see Goodfellas at him at his height of his abilities in terms of The beginnings of his commercialism. and Yeah, I mean, that was him firing all cylinders. And if you look at Taxi Driver, Taxi Driver had 1 180th of the budget. uh, that Which brings us
1: to Hot Take 1. Okay. I don't like the movie Taxi
0: Driver. Okay, see, I've had a lot of fights with people about this, too. And I'm just going to say one thing about it, because I don't want to do, like, two hours on Taxi Driver. But Taxi Driver is one of those movies that captured a deep essence of the time that it was made in, uh captured a sentimentality that people had against the government, against politicians. Um, Travis Bickle was a character who had never been seen in movies before, somebody who was deeply anarchic uh Anarchic He's and from um, Antarctic He is very cold all the time. Um he uh is a fantastic character. I think Robert De Niro is one of those actors who the less he says is the better. Right. Um uh, in Heat, which I think is one of his his finest films. I mean, there's probably 50 lines for him total in it. Um, I just don't think he's like uh, Jack Nicholson or Brad Pitt, someone that needs to constantly be talking to affirm his acting. He really does it all in his face. Um, so Taxi Driver is definitely up there. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say Goodfellas is probably everything that Scorsese learned from movies like Raging Bull and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, it's really his most succinct commercial work that i think reaches the most people so i would say yeah i would say goodfellas i feel like i'm forgetting a big one here whereas other gangster movies i mean i love casino yeah casino, casino yeah. i think needs to be in a top five you probably don't have in yours i don't know
1: i don't
0: um casino has some of the finest performances from any actor that's in it right um sharon stone especially sharon stone is still, it is. um And you know you have Robert De Niro playing a Jewish character, which I thought was interesting and and like a nice change to all Italian cast, all Italian characters. Mean streets. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um,
1: Okay. So let's let's hear your list. All right. So let's start with number five. What would you What would you guess my number five would be? (laughs) Like Goodfellas. Okay. No. I'll just I'll I'll bury the lead. Goodfellas is number two. Okay. Good. That's confident. We're not too far. That's confident. Okay. It was fighting with three. All right, but my number five is Last, last Temptation of the Christ.
0: I've never seen that. Is that Willem Dafoe's Christ it in that? is. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um,
1: okay, you want to talk about the psychedelic hellscape that we thought we were about to embark upon when we started this movie? Yeah. Now, imagine that was the whole movie, but it's about Jesus.
0: Hmm. You know, I, I this is a great, this is a good moment because I, I haven't pushed myself to see that movie uh, for whatever reason. I think just for me in movies about Christ, it's a, it's like... It's like watching a sports team. You root you for, don't root for you. yeah, I'm like, Yeah, I'm like, yeah, kill him. No, I'm not. Oh, God, this one's not making its air, folks. Um, uh, no. Um, morally, that I just don't resonate with it. I mean, I thought The Passion was a great film uh, for a bunch of reasons, and also a terrible film for a bunch of reasons. But um, never seen Last Temptation of Christ. However... I'm a huge Willem Dafoe fan. I'm a huge uh, Scorsese fan. I don't know why I haven't seen it. So thank you for that recommendation. All right, good. So something good came from this. Good.
1: While well, we're talking about Willem Dafoe, Antichrist is not a good movie. I just need to throw that.
0: That's aside. one of my favorite movies of good. all time. All right, number four. Please watch Antichrist, guys. Don't don't listen to <laughs> yeah. him. I can't. Watch I can't. Watch it with the kids. Well, I can't like I can't make a podcast where someone's trashing that. We'll talk about this later when you're contracted. Watch it with your home. parents. Don't watch it with your parents right. or anybody who doesn't like seeing blood come out of us. Number games. four. What do you think number four is gonna be? I don't know. I'm not getting... You're just... Right. Blow me away here, but right. King of Comedy. Love King of Comedy. All right. I wouldn't say it's one of his major works, but I do love King of Comedy. I'm not going to, like, freak out about that. Am I supposed to be, like, narrowing it down to major works? No, but you're doing top five ever, so, right. I mean, yeah. you know, why not? Right.
1: Right. So number three is going to be The Departed.
0: I don't think The Departed would make my top five. You don't? No. The Departed is kind of like Martin Scorsese looking back on his career and saying, well, what did I used to do that work?" What can I do again that will draw people so, back in? Because at this point, he had a huge lull in his career.
1: Right. I saw the part in the theater, and I was very tepid on it, and I felt exactly me that. Me too. But, but I haven't rewatched it. I've rewatched it. I, I was coming across it on, just oh, on okay. this is a re- I rewatched it. So that would have been 15 years ago, almost. Th-
0: this takes us into what I think is the problem for me with a lot of later Scorsese And that boils down to one man. That's Leonardo DiCaprio. I do not like Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't buy him as anything but a spoiled, rich, white kid. I think that every... Really? Yeah. Basketball Diaries? I've never bought... That's the perfect role for him because he's a teenager. I think everything he did as a kid up until Titanic was fantastic. Okay. I think everything he did as a kid was fantastic. I think he's one of those people... Who never stopped me if you can. never stopped looking like a kid. I don't like. I think that's very minor, Spielberg. That's all like right. bottom of the barrel, Spielberg. Right. I actually am ashamed that he directed. I like Leo. I like it's him. a good movie, but like but like with Leonardo DiCaprio, it's like eating like um, a really good steak at your favorite Inception. chain restaurant. He's my least favorite part of it. I don't think he's memorable at all in it. Would you say that his performance in, in Inception is worth a shit? No, he doesn't act at all in it. He doesn't act in most of the movies in. I think that the only movie Football I saw of his, okay, that Football is, was that is good. But imagine somebody else in that role. I don't know, man. Imagine height it. of his career. Um, oh god, what's his name from Goodfellas? Imagine uh, the main character from Ray, Go- Ray, Liotta. Ray Liotta. Imagine yeah, if that wasn't an option. I know it wasn't out. an option. But in when that movie came out, you had great actors out there. And I think this alliance between Scorsese and DiCaprio is where things start falling apart. This is where consistency stopped being the main thing and that I couldn't walk into a, a Scorsese joint and say, this is going to blow me away because I don't trust Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio yeah, yeah. to take me there. I tr- look, at, look at the people who were his first muses right. compared to Leonardo. Yeah. I mean, when you put him up against Pesci, yeah. Pacino, I mean, these pe- people you cannot fuck with, and there are actors out there that I think can fuck with that. I think that... Christian Bale is a perfect example of a modern actor who can defy all convention and play any role. Ed Norton, fantastic. I mean, there are actors who I can take very seriously. Leo is not one of them. That is the core issue I have with Gangs of New York is him doing an Irish accent, which I think is deplorable on every level. I think if I were Irish, I would be pretty detested with his attempt at being an Irish person. I thought it was awful.
1: Yeah, but it's like Daniel Day's best Okay,
0: so what's your next one here?
1: Next one is Goodfellas after the defense. So Goodfellas is two? Goodfellas is two. Gangs okay. of New York is number
0: one. Gangs of New York is number one. Yep. So you're saying when you watched Gangs of New York the first time, yep. you said that is a better experience than Goodfellas.
1: Yep. And I, was, I was excited to switch to the second DVD because they didn't all fit.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, here's I think I, Daniel Day in that movie is I haven't worth, seen it in years. Is worth, okay? Let's take Daniel Day-Lewis out of the movie. You can't. Because the man is the, movie, the, the man is the man is electric. Obviously, is the best part of the movie. Uh, got without John C. that, Riley. you have John C. Riley, who Crushing. I'd say is number two. Crushing. Um, you have a movie that needs to make up for the fact that they kill Liam Neeson in the first ten minutes. I'm pretty sure, right? But yeah, that's devastating a for ball, me. Ballsy move. Um, ballsy move, but not in a good way for me personally. Okay. I, th- I found it very distracting. I loved it to take one of the finest actors and murder him in ten minutes and replace him with Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought it was horseshit. Um and uh cuz that's what happened. I mean the movie starts with an Irish hero right. taking on right the mob. Right. That's Liam Neeson. Right. Imagine this movie with Liam Neeson. The end. Yeah, but there's, Here's the thing. It's, when, it's you're all com- about the dynamic when you're comparing between... Goodfellas and this, I dare you to find 5 problems with Goodfellas and and say that you can't find 5 problems with Gangs of New York.
1: Okay, but I don't know that that makes Goodfellas, like, okay, there's no so problem, this is like, but across this is, the board... This
0: is the age-old discussion of favorite versus best, First best yeah, yeah, okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Because maybe your favorite movie is Gangs of New York from Martin Scorsese. I think you would be hard-pressed to be able to convince me that it is a better film than Goodfellas. That's all I'm saying. Because Goodfellas, that's like a locomotive. Gangs right. of New York is a goddamn long movie, and it feels like it to me, personally. And by the time you're at the end when they're doing the fucking fast-forward of New York into modern-day right, New right, York, right. which I thought was one of the most unnecessary moments in the whole movie. Um, I loved it, it. looked like shit. I loved um, it. The, I, it. It just didn't work, man. I mean, that movie just doesn't work for a variety of reasons. You have DiCaprio, who's disgusting he has fake teeth in he looks awful he's doing a stupid accent then you have cameron diaz who's the love interest and she's a literally and i'm not trying to be derogatory she's a dirty hole yeah no. in the movie my, i don't want to watch her only she's complaint disgusting gangs
1: in new york is cameron diaz
0: it's disgusting though it's like a gritty gross movie and it's gross to be gross and and i love daniel day lewis in it and his character in it i would say is a timeless film character i wish the whole movie would have been about him If Gangs of New York would have been about a scrappy Daniel Day-Lewis becoming a hardened butcher, sign me me the fuck up. But instead you have Leonardo DiCaprio doing an Irish accent, which like, uh, I think right now I'm going to insert a clip post of Leonardo DiCaprio doing the Irish accent because it's so embarrassing. An autumn diver picked your pocket in church. A badger gets a fella into bed with a girl then robs his pockets while they're on the go. Jenny was a bludgeon, a girl pickpocket, and a turtle dove. You're just going
1: to use post to skew against me. Yeah, I'm going
0: to fight against you after the fact, because I think I can win better when you're not even in front of me. Um, But but yeah, no, I I hear you. I mean, I understand that effect. So let me give you my counter to that. My counter to that is that in my top three, top two even, you have Cape Fear. So here's my 30 seconds on Cape Fear. Okay. Okay. you want, you, you want to preface it with the fact that you know that I don't like Cape Fear. Yes, yeah, so yeah, Dan down. does not like Cape Fear. Uh, I would say maybe you dislike it more than I even like Gangs of New York. Dislike okay. Gangs of New York. Cape Fear has the following going for it. One of the greatest De Niro roles, period. It's iconic. It has been made fun of in The Simpsons. It has been spoofed a thousand times. Him laughing in the movie theater with the cigar. You, uh, His character is so menacing in that film on every conceivable level. Um, I... Uh, really can't say enough about the fact that De Niro did not need to do that movie he had made incredible movies with Scorsese um playing hard uh hard you know anti-heroes really respectable guys in this he is a I mean the first shot of the movie of him doing pull-ups in prison with his body all shredded and tattoos all over that is affecting stuff um I I found yeah i mean his relationship with juliette lewis is really troubling in the movie but at the same time it's supposed to be it isn't like james bond where you're made to feel uncomfortable by accident right you're made to feel so uncomfortable in this movie the score iconic has been spoofed so many times it's actually the music that plays when sideshow bob is on screen uh in the simpsons one of the best film scores of all time One of the most psychedelic edits of all time. There are cross fades. It's like an Oliver Stone movie. There's there's bleeding colors everywhere. It's like Natural Born Killers. It's like Natural Born Killers. There's wild things that Scorsese wasn't used to doing. Um, I think that Nick Nolte turns in probably the finest performance of his career. I I think the performances are all
1: great. I think when you watch it today, it looks extremely dated in a way that a lot of his movies don't.
0: I'll watch it. I'll watch it a thousand times over. I I absolutely love Cape Fear. And I don't think that it's dated just because the tension will always be there. You'll always find tension in a grown man putting his thumb in a 12 year old girl's mouth. I mean, that's one of the most uncomfortable yeah. scenes yeah. imaginable and it's uncomfortable in the way that the original alien was or movies that may, they the, they have moments in them that they want you to feel sick. And I think Cape fear is one of the best erotic thrillers of all time. It's one of just the most compelling, and you have a director that's used to doing crime and mob bosses doing this kind of honed in... It's, ho- it's a horror movie at its base. Yeah. You have you have a deranged killer who's going after a family with a young daughter sexually, mentally. He's doing emotional warfare on them. He's turning them against them. I mean, I, I, I just... I, I, I'm sure you couldn't say enough about Gangs in New York. I couldn't say enough about not only this, but Casino as well, I think, should be talked about all day yeah. long. Yeah. Um, I mean, Casino's great. So yeah, As I mean, it I, I hear you. I think that uh, Cape Fear is my guilty pleasure, and I think yours is probably Gangs. All right,
1: so I think the uh, I don't think it needs to be either of them. Need to be a guilty pleasure.
0: Well, they can, I think they do because people would argue with us and say that Raging Bull needs to be in both of our top yeah, fives. Yeah. It isn't. Mean Streets, both of our top fives. Right. It isn't. There are people that who are you know hardened film critics that that is what they're going to say is missing on. These lists.
1: I suspect they won't be listening to our podcast.
0: I think they would probably get lost somewhere around the "Keep It Warm for Me, James" part. <laughs> um, but um, so I, I
1: think we can comfortably say the theme of today is that everyone should watch the Man with the Golden Gun. Yes, everyone should watch. Everyone,
0: please watch the Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, Cape Fear. Everyone, sit and watch Cape Fear and Gangs of New York. Um, not back to back. Cause not back to hours. back. And I don't think compare them because Gangs of New York is a war, mob, insane movie. Whereas Cape Fear... a pinnacle experience. Cape Fear is a perfect movie if you're on vacation in the Florida Keys and you want a thriller. <laughs> it's a thriller. I mean, the yeah, word yeah, thriller yeah, is absolutely. invented for the movie like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's about it. Did, um, we, did we do it? I don't think we argued quite as much uh, during the top five as I could have anticipated, but hey, we got lots oh, more wait, episodes. I had there. one thing
1: worked out and I, I felt... Okay, final note. It, we should end on a negative note in what would you call the worst Scorsese movie? Well, or your least favorite. Let's not the man doesn't want to do say he's there.
0: done a couple lately that have been terrible right okay. i mean well, like i haven't did... seen anything in the last i'll tell you which was fantastic if you're looking for a fantastic kids movie if you're also looking for one of the finest 3d films ever made hugo from scorsese is a huge hidden gem yeah um that is hugo a good cool movie great. um i don't think scorsese has a ton of bombs like what's a bomb what's the worst i worked on the aviator Ugh, uh, you know I don't think I've ever fully seen it I've seen the first half on HBO and I was like I hate Leonardo DiCaprio so <laughs> okay. Leonardo DiCaprio playing once again a, a, ma- a spoiled man child is yeah. his <laughs> finest, finest acting role what about the beach? I love the beach but okay. because it's terrible like I like the beach because when it came out it was really edgy it's like Hackers but with an island I'm just gonna spit
1: <laughs> sorry I throw Leo movies at you until you agree that he's fine
0: yeah some of them he works in but again it, the further you go back the younger he is the more I'm gonna like the right. movies as he gets older this gristled, hardened right. man that they try to portray, portray him as, it does not work because he he looks like many child stars. And, I, and I'm not making a gross assumption here because a lot of child stars start out looking really good. Like right. when they're kids, they look the best. Whereas most normal people look fucking weird when they're kids and then they start to normalize and look good when they're 30. I think Leo peaked in his teens and now is, like, having a reverse Benjamin Buttons thing where he's, like, looking fucking younger and yet older right, right, and right. yet weirder. Uh, and I feel like he's one of those people I met in real life. If I met in real life, I'd be like, wow, you're really short.
1: Did you watch Jay Edgar? No. that's pretty bomb. I feel like I should check that it out. Just good. for the accents. Yeah, it was good. There were a lot of accents. Okay, a lot, folks. A lot of the character being like, ah, <laughs>
0: That's The Revenant, too. It's just him grunting and getting... Yeah. And bear. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. All right. Here's my Leo impression. Ah.
1: Do you think anyone's still listening?
0: Uh, I hope so. And uh, you can tune in on our next episode uh, where we will be, uh, for our Dan's Have Never Seen, watching the Kevin Smith film, Yoga Hosers. The Kevin
1: Smith, Kevin Smith Epic.
0: Yes, the Kevin Smith Epic yoga hosers and uh that will devolve into many different chats as well um i want to thank my engineer me um i want to thank my co-host dan Uh, i want to thank everybody who is listening to this and uh tell you to tune into the movie blues podcast next time thank you